hello there, dead and lovely listeners. It's the greatest podcast, period, joined by the other greatest podcast, period, because on today's episode of Dead and Lovely, we've got a full house, because it's, as usual, me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. Me, Hollywood Steve. And we are joined today by those two hunks from Neon Brainiacs, a horror movie podcast that Steve and I ourselves just guest starred on a few weeks ago for their Pieces episode. So today we are joined by Ben and Greg from Neon Brainiacs. Say hello, you guys. What's up, everybody? (laughs) How you guys doing? (laughs) Doing great. It's an honor to have you guys on. Um, If you guys haven't listened to our episode where we were on their show for the Pieces breakdown, I'm going to recommend it because it was a silly good time and true confession i was pretty fucking drunk during that Me too. <laughs> dude it was a really solid episode yeah i would, yeah, uh, highly recommend your listeners going to check that one out because yeah it was really fucking funny yeah 100%. yeah i don't envy whoever had to edit that one and probably work around all my yeah you know what you know what i'll tell you I, you know what <laughs> that, that would be, be great and i yeah, yeah I, I I just thought you were a big Rick and Morty fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just in character, like, the whole time, right? <laughs> listen here, listen here, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You guys tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and your wonderful podcast. I've actually been a fan of your all's show for a really long time. Um, how long has your all's show been going? Uh, we are coming up on uh, four years this fall, and, uh, yeah, episode 200 is... Uh, kind of in our view which is uh fucking wild to think of no kidding man no kidding give the the listeners a breakdown of what your all's show is so uh yeah neon brainiacs is a horror podcast with me and uh ben where we talk strictly 80s uh and a lot of people ask us if we're ever gonna run out of movies and the answer is no (laughs) (laughs) no not possible um but yeah uh if you're a fan of dead and lovely uh, i think you'd you know like our kind of goof em ups and you know segments and deep dives and uh, all that good stuff uh we, we are definitely in good company here yeah yeah i think that your old show has like a, a similar vibe to ours in a lot of ways so mm-hmm. I, i'm with you i think that if people enjoy our show they'll probably dig neon brainiacs as well and uh, how long have you guys been into horror? Are you guys both like lifelong horror movie fanatics? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been into it probably since, you know, I was probably 10 or 11 years old, I, I would imagine. I was uh, fascinated with uh, the horror section in uh, the video stores oh, growing yeah. up, you mm-hmm. know, because I'm, I'm a child of the video store era and uh, would frequently wander into that section. And I would literally get scared just looking at the back of the vhs covers like it would literally freak me out to the point where my dad would be like stop going in there like what are you doing kid jesus but it was yeah i i just i fell in love with it then and you know probably finally started watching a lot of that stuff when my my dad and my mom would let me rent it and yeah i've been a fan for a long time so yeah hell yeah man dude the video store era that's all you need to say right there and can you believe the nerve of those pricks that lived through World War II calling themselves the greatest generation, I don't think they ever went to video stores. Come on. <laughs> Greg, how about you? What's your, your horror story? Um, yeah, I'm the, I guess technically a lifer too. I know Ben and I both have um, stories about watching shit 
way too early. Uh, mine was uh, <laughs> Child's Play, and I know his was uh, American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a, a, a fierce nation, as our friends at the Ghoul on Ghoul podcast would say, where it's like, I'm scared shitless of all this stuff, but I kind of love it. Mm. And it's just <laughs> yeah. kind of stuck ever since. Yeah, I just, I cannot look away, even though I know that it's going to fucking give me nightmares for weeks, right? <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to also give our listeners a little bit of an idea of your all's kind of palette, if I say the words favorite horror movie, what's the first thing that comes to your all's minds? Halloween 3, baby. Ooh. Yeah? Uh, Evil Dead 2, probably. I, Great choice. There's so much about that movie that I love. Um, it's like just like my sense of humor mm-hmm. um, and the gore and... Uh, you know, just the outlandish acting of uh, Bruce Campbell and the uh-huh. fucking mastermind of Sam Raimi. I mean, it's just chef's kiss. Just a, a perfect fucking 80s horror film, man. I just, I love that movie. I can't argue with that one bit, man. That is very accurate commentary. And from what I understand, Ben, you like horror movies so much, you even decided that, hey, maybe I want a piece of that silver screen. Maybe I'm going <laughs> to get in front of a camera. Maybe that's what I do. Is that true? It is true. Yes, I am a filmmaker and uh, actor as well. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've made a few things in the horror genre, also in the comedy genre, things like that. Give us some titles. Drop them titles on them. Uh, well, uh, probably uh, the most widely released one that I directed is uh, Slaughter Drive, which um, was put out by SRS Cinema uh, a couple years ago, and yeah, you can stream it, you know, wherever you stream movies, uh, Amazon, um, Voodoo, you know, whatever. Um, it's a horror comedy, kind of like uh, The Burbs meets, uh, I don't know, like Halloween or something like that, I'd, I'd oh, say. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that one's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I actually do. Uh, a movie I acted in is uh, coming out here uh, on April 13th. It's called The Boonies. And um, I play a, like a, a psychopath killer in the movie. I, I, I usually oh. always get cast as like a nerd or something like that. And uh, <laughs> this is the first time I got cast as a, as a killer. So I'm uh, pretty excited for, for people to check it out on April 13th. Awesome, man. Look forward to checking that out. What, what was it called? The Boonies? It's called The Boonies. The Boonies. Okay. Yeah, The Boonies. And uh, yeah, it'll be like on demand. And uh, I believe in, you know, in some Targets and Walmarts and things like that. So uh Okay. Cool. Yeah. Check it out if you guys are uh, into that sort of thing. It's kind of like a, I am like a wrong sort of turn, hills have eyes kind of thing, you know. So hell yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds like a real treat, something to look forward to. And of course, we have you guys here on our show to talk about Brain Scan from 1994, which was your all's choice for your guest star episode. And I'm really looking forward to finding out why you guys chose this one specifically and we're gonna get to that as well as a deep dive review of the movie and if you're one of those squares that just wants to get right on to the movie review well there's a timestamp for you buckaroo down there in the <laughs> podcast description if you don't want to hang out with us and hear about what we've been watching this week and crack open a cold beer and enter the preview palace and do all kinds of other cool stuff that all the other cool kids are doing right all the cool kids are doing it right I'm right. so cool I do that <laughs> exactly uh, quote a cool kid um, but if you just want to get on the movie review portion, there's a time set for you in the podcast description. But first things first, gentlemen, I've got to find out about what everybody's been watching this week. Steve, you want to tell them about what you've been checking out? 
yeah, I've been watching some stuff, man. I watched Campfire Tales, and I had never seen this nor even heard about it really hmm. until recently when it was posted on our Facebook by I think Ryan Joyner. Not positive. If I got the wrong person, I apologize. Uh, but Campfire Tales is a movie that I had like no idea how I had not seen it. It's got Amy Smart. It's got Ron Livingston from mm-hmm. uh, the Office Space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James Marsden in there. Old Cyclops. Oh. And um, I watched it. It's first off, almost impossible to find. You either have to oh. own it physically or take to the high seas. Mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. Even then, not easy to get a hold of. So, uh, Campfire Tales is basically what urban legend should have been, which is an anthology about urban legends, or campfire tales in this case, though they're basically just urban legends. Um, It's solid. I mean, it's not great. Like, watching it, I was like, I wish urban legend had been this because it would have been a better movie. But it's still, like, not amazing, but solid. Uh, but you're implying that urban legends could have been better, which is something I can't quite understand <laughs> here. That doesn't really make much sense to me. It you know? could have been slightly better, maybe. But th- this movie definitely improved on the concept. Uh, I also watched Savini's Night of the Living Dead remake. Yeah. Nice. From 1990. I had not seen it in forever. And man, the movie is so much better than I remembered. And can't wait to talk about it on the show, because it's got a lot going on. Hell yeah, man. I expect nothing less from the Wizard of Gore himself, but I've actually never seen that one. Ben, Greg, you guys have seen that one, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're we're Pittsburgh boys, so that's like, it comes with like free samples of Tide if you live in Pittsburgh. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you guys that's probably awesome. have like relatives that are in the background and shit of that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I might. Big brains. Yeah, there's uh, it, that, I it's an underrated remake. I feel like yes. I feel like a lot of people mm-hmm. shat on it when it came out, and now people are sort of coming around to, to that movie because it it really is pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, it um, it takes it to that real dark area uh, that kind of became the norm by the mid two thousands. Uh, so it was a bit ahead of its time, I think, maybe. People just didn't realize sure. that the message of maybe the humans are the real monsters uh, was going to catch on. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I thought that was great. And I also watched uh, a big lizard and a big monkey fight. Oh, I watched that <laughs> last night, too. Yeah, I loved the fights. Yeah. They were great. A uh, co-worker of our, uh, mine and Ben's uh, kind of put it in a good way where it's like, it was fine until the humans got involved. Yeah. It's kind of like that's eh. like every Godzilla yeah. movie, though, right? It's like ultimately we just want to see cities getting flattened and monsters fighting, and it's like, oh, and there's people in this. Oh, I forgot there was people. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I see yeah. people critiquing it with that exact same thing, where there's like, oh, there's just too much of the humans and stuff in there, and it's like, dude, like what Godzilla movie is just 100% Godzilla beating ass? Like that's not a movie. That's that's like it, probably something you could find on YouTube if you type in all Godzilla beating ass. Maybe you just <laughs> should watch that movie. I don't know. But I'm curious to see if um, Godzilla and Kong is good because I I thought that Godzilla King of the Monsters was pretty cool. And I thought that Kong Skull Island was actually pretty enjoyable. Yeah, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, I found both of those to be okay. And then watching this, I was like, these fights are great. 
uh i really liked the the final battle and everything that happened there it was long it was like well choreographed i mean you know everything still looks kind of fake yeah. <laughs> it's very cg <laughs> it's not like amazing but what like what 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 is an amazing godzilla versus king kong movie like yeah. do they yeah. end up in a relationship like what happens in an amazing like godzilla versus king kong movie that yeah, I, I want like. to see the, the Hallmark version, you know, yeah. where they end up together. <laughs> and, you know, Godzilla opens a bookstore and, you know, Kong, you know, comes to save it or something. I don't know. The, 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 right. the Hallmark version of Godzilla versus Kong is Godzilla v. Kong and like divorce proceedings. Oh, man. That's like who the gets, Lifetime television version. It's who gets uh, who gets custody of Godzuki. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I definitely want to watch it, man. I, I've been meaning to watch that this week, but it's just been freaking hectic over here, man. So I've not gotten to it. Do you think I'll enjoy it? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, uh, don't pay too much attention. Honestly, is all I would say. It's my advice I for didn't. it is it's, it's solid. Just don't pay too much attention. Yeah, I haven't checked. I haven't seen it yet, but I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out for sure. Greg, you enjoyed it as well? Yeah, it was fine. Um, Like I said, I... I'm with Steve. Like the fight scenes were great. Um, you know, kind of. I, I think the the monsters looked as good as they could. Um, you know, with the technology, but like, just getting like the human stories in it, it it was kind of a sober reminder of why I don't watch like modern action movies because it was just like, oh, person, uh, next scene, person, next scene, yeah. monster, next scene, right? And I was just like. I, it was the same problem I had with like the Jurassic world movies where I'm just like, right. can y'all just like give me just carnage and CG yes. dinosaurs and not all this fucking drama shit. Yeah. I could see that yep. for sure. Well, I'll be sure to scope that one out soon. What else you been watching this week, Steve? Anything good? Uh, yeah. On, um, the screaming chat, we watched a movie called funny man, the funny man It's from a 1994. And, um, boy, so, if imagine if some British people made Leprechaun slash <laughs> Wishmaster. Oh my! Ooh, he's a Leprechaun. Yeah. Right. Now I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm listening now. Really, really British. Uh, very interesting strip scene. Um, <laughs> Does the Leprechaun strip? Yeah, yeah. That's the interesting part. Yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, it's it, um, is it Warwick War Davis? It's not Warwick Davis. No, though, no, right? no, no, no. It's not. God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> boo. <laughs> man, if Warwick Davis had an OnlyFans, I think every horror head would be on board, right? Uh, I know I'd sign up. Fans? Yeah, yeah, I'm on I'd board. Sign up. Yeah. yeah, but it, it, boy, Honey Man. It was just one of those that I saw listed in like weird uh, '90s horror movies you probably haven't seen list, and I hadn't seen it, and I found it on YouTube. It has Christopher Lee in it for, I would assume, was five hours of his life. Um, <laughs> Old Sour Man himself. It is so, I don't know, it was, it, like, it was silly, and it was it was well worth watching on a Friday night while getting uh, drunk. So, <laughs> check Hell it out. Yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> Sounds like a real treat. Greg, what have you been watching this week, man? Anything good? Um, well, besides Godzilla v. Kong, um, I did watch uh, just a couple of um, just really obscure action movies from the 80s that I, I kind of stumbled upon on YouTube. Uh, one good, one not so good. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll start with the good one. Uh, it was uh, called Kill Slade from 1989 which uh i i'm still having difficulty kind of explaining what this movie is <laughs> um, it's uh like an american journalist is kidnapped in africa by another american to keep her away from a british guy with an army of albino like death soldiers that are trying to assassinate her because she's about to blow the lid on the government of the country selling food from FEMA or something what? like that. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Wow. Yeah. I was I was dumbfounded in the best way. It is so <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> and like doesn't make a lick of sense, but it's super fun. Uh, it's available it. for free with ads on YouTube. So uh, I would I would implore everyone to just watch it and see if you can make sense of it. I mean, honestly, you had me sold at Albino Death Army. I'm yeah. like, okay. And I'm yeah. watching. Same. And they also run like Red from Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the, it's just the icing on the cake. Hell of a visual. That's a hell of a visual. Oh, yeah. And uh, the other one that was not so good was uh, an Umberto Lenzi movie, I believe, called Hammerhead. Uh, that, okay. That uh, was not good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that one. I've never heard of that. Mm-mm. Um, it's basically about a, a guy who is trying to like avenge his friend's death. Uh, and he goes to the Caribbean where there's like a bunch of just gang activity and corruption around him. And it's it's very hokey and just very bad. OK, so skip on that one. Yeah, that one's not not so good. Umberto Lenzi made a bad movie. I don't know, Greg. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, Did he, though? It's a. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. This is he has nothing to do with it, but it's still bad. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Oh, well, there goes that joke. <laughs> I think I was thinking of Primal Rage. <laughs> ben, what you been scoping out this week, man? I checked out uh the new comedy that just hit Netflix from Mr. Eric Andre. Um checked out Bad Trip the other night. Ooh. Oh. And I've been meaning to watch this. I um I fucking loved it, man. I mean, I don't know how you, how you guys feel about Eric Andre. You guys uh you I guys think down with him? Thumbs up. Yeah, um it's basically it's from the same kind of people that kind of cooked up Bad Grandpa, if you guys saw the the Johnny mm -hmm. Knoxville one. Right. Um yeah, I believe like Jeff Tremaine who does a lot of the Jackass stuff uh produced this one as well. And um yeah, I, I really liked it. It's one of these, like, it has, like, sort of a story to it, but it's mostly just, like, you know, kind of there just to string along a bunch of, like, prank-type gags, like, you know, very similar to Bad Grandpa. Um, I laughed a whole lot. It was really funny. Um, it's, yeah, uh, Eric Andre, um, Lil Rel Howery is in it, uh, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish, yeah. Um really funny and i gotta say the best part of it is like all the pranks you know like especially like sasha baron cohen uh when he does that kind of stuff he kind of makes everybody look like an idiot you know what yeah, I mean? like that's, yeah and that's kind of his his thing and it is it's very funny you know of course but what i liked about this one is 
it really gave me like some hope for humanity if i could honestly hmm. say that because everybody is just like super helpful in it it seems like i mean yeah huh. so you, you have like a couple people who are definitely like fuck you get the fuck away from me and shit like that <laughs> but for the most part people are shocked and upset and like genuinely trying to help eric andre in these situations and and tiffany haddish for that matter and I don't know. I just, I really liked it. I liked that it wasn't like very mean spirited, like a lot of these things oh, can be. Cool. And totally, so, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I really dug it. I, I laughed a lot, and it's totally worth a watch on Netflix if, uh, if you subscribe to that. I, I highly recommend it. I, I laughed a good bit watching that. Um, yeah, I've, I've been uh, intending to watch it because um, I am an Eric Andre and Tiffany Haddish fan. So, I think, uh, I think now you've convinced me. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you like them, you'll you'll definitely enjoy it. And and the pranks are well done and there were definitely some that just yeah, had me roaring for sure. So awesome. I uh yeah, and I love that kind of shit. I'm a huge uh jackass fan and um I I just I love that kind of stuff and I just feel like Eric Andre is um just taking that formula but putting his own spin on it which is which is great and i i really like it anybody that listens to the show the the last few weeks you know will know that i've been on this like huge you know mid late 90s rabbit hole with my movie watching here yeah. lately and uh, i've actually really been wanting to go back and rewatch the jackass movies because i seriously don't think i've seen those since i was you know maybe 19 or something like that to see if they're still funny if they still hold up i have a feeling they probably do but knowing that there's something out there that's like like you said that's that kind of vibe but kind of positive yeah it's probably good for my old man brain at this point to watch <laughs> yeah it, it was really that's definitely one of the biggest takeaway i took from it. i was like everyone's like trying to help which like i really like you know like Again, watching, you know, the Borat movies, you just see, like, how horrible people can be. And it was nice mm -hmm. to see, like, oh, you know, there's some there's some nice people in the world. You know, like, it's pretty cool. But a lot of those old Jackass movies do hold up. I mean, I'm sure, like, there's probably, like, some, like, gay jokes and things, like, in a couple of them that probably don't yeah. hold up. But uh -uh. Um, for the most part, they, they really do. So that's... Uh, I love those movies. <laughs> Excellente, man. I've actually had time to watch a handful of things. A thing or two... It's what I have watched. Let's start with one that we watched last week called Someone Great, which is a Netflix original kind of breakup comedy type movie. It's one that uh, myself and my wife, we just come home from the day of running errands with some big old Chipotle burritos, and we wanted to scarf those things and drink nice. some margarita drinks. And it was like, just put something on. I just want to get this burrito in my face hole <laughs> and uh this is one of the first things that kate came across and i was like whatever it looks watchable i don't care just put something on it's actually hilarious it's really 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 good very okay. funny flick i definitely recommend that on a lot of familiar faces and young comedians in that one so definitely watch someone what great. is it so it's basically just kind of like a breakup movie you know where there's a it's honestly a pretty typical kind of setup for a movie where a chick breaks up with a guy because she's fixing to move he doesn't want to do the long distance thing She's got one wild night out with her girlfriends to paint the town red. This sounds very not funny, honestly. And like from the trailer, <laughs> I was like, I feel like I've seen this movie 20 times mm -hmm. at least, and it's not very good. So I went in with super low expectations, and man, I, I loved it. It was actually fucking hysterical. Okay. So give that one a watch. I also watched a movie, What Took My Mind and Broke It 
Clean in Twain. I'm talking about a movie from a while back starring a Michael Douglas called The Game. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Awesome. Dude. Yeah, David Fincher. I had never seen it. Yeah, it's a David Fincher movie, too. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, for one, it looks fucking great. Like, this movie was made... I want to say like 96, 98, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 97, there. I think, yeah. 97, and I swear to God, man, like it looks like something that could have come out like five years ago. It's ridiculously great looking, and you can totally see why they chose him to do Fight Club and stuff too, especially during some of the like, you know, more urban scenes, yeah. the gritty kind of look that he gets in those. Fucking great. That's one of those movies like I'd always wanted to see and just never watched it for some reason, but fuck, man. It holds up. It's it's like long too. It's almost I think it's like a little over two hours, and I was on the edge of my seat. I have not seen it in in quite a while, but I loved it when I watched it. And it's actually one of those that I've always uh, worried about going back to because I always think of those late '90s gotta have a twist movies, right? And they never seem to hold up, except for totally. apparently the game. Uh, the Sixth Sense as well. Still, still holds good. up. Yeah, still yeah, holds up. The, the game is definitely one of those ones, like, you, you, the, the less you know about going into it, yeah. uh, the the better. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it, it is, like, is, like, a really... Uh, yeah, it does fall into that sort of late 90s, like, ooh, the, the gotcha twist kind of thing, but but it... Uh, man, it's, it's definitely one of the better uh, movies in that genre, for sure. Yeah, Fincher... I mean, the guy... The guy makes everything a bit better than it would have been for sure that movie <laughs> the game could have been terrible fincher comes in makes it i mean of course you got douglas and uh sean penn as well yeah right? sean so, penn's mm-hmm. great in it yeah 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 really good greg you seen that one i have not i, I heard michael douglas i was hoping you were gonna go with falling down never seen that one dude i've never oh. seen falling down i'm blowing it that one boy i rewatched it and um it's still a good movie. The problem I always have is that people love that movie and then they'll be like, I just really identify with his character. Ugh. And rewatching <laughs> it, I was like, he's Mm-mm. the straight up villain. What? <laughs> like, yeah. You identify with the villain, the racist ass villain. Of oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's what people like. You miss the point if you yeah. think he's the yeah. hero. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, guys, come on. <laughs> tell, tell me more about Tyler Durden, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they probably have like a Punisher sticker on the back of their truck. Too, right? yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. That's a type right there, man. That, that is, is a like a, a person type that mm-hmm. um, uh, isn't my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, they, they, have a, they have a Punisher sticker on the truck and a Blue Lives Matter sticker and have no idea what the irony is yeah. and all that. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, It's like, have you ever read an issue of the Punisher? Yeah. Here in uh, here in Knox County, it is always a Blue Lives Matter Punisher skull and a Libertarian flag, and it's like, I, oh yeah, this is all a mishmash. Like yeah. none of these things get along. <laughs> Maybe the thing is, is there's more people with like uh, like multiple personality disorder than we think, and they just you know they just go crazy with this stuff and slap every sticker of everything <laughs> that comes into their head on their trucks, and it's just a little bit of everything, right? <laughs> So yeah, the game it still holds up really good. I'll tell you what else holds up, man. This is one of our like Saturday or Sunday afternoon watches. We just wanted something that we'd seen that was familiar, but would still give us a belly laugh and a chuckle. So we chose to watch Eddie Murphy's Immortal Coming to America. Yeah! Oh, wow. Yes! 
Dude, it is so fucking good. Like, I think it's probably been at least 10, maybe even 15 years since I saw that movie last. And in my head, I was like, I remember this as just being like a good, fun, watchable, you know, 80s comedy. I don't remember it being as absolutely hysterical as it is. It is like fucking fantastic. Still holds up. Really, really good. Arsenio Hall <laughs> is funny as fuck, man. I know, mm-hmm. like, you know, our generation all knows him as and talk show guy. Yeah. But God, he was a great comedic actor, too. Yeah, he, he almost steals the movie, honestly. Yeah, yeah For real. he does. The one scene that I rewatched it probably last year, the one scene that uh, to me didn't hold up was when they're like interviewing women for dates. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah, yeah. One of the one of the I guess gross women was just like she wanted to fuck him. Like yeah. I didn't get what the gross like she wants to fuck you. Got it. Yeah. It was just Arsenio Hall in a wig too. I'm pretty sure. Right. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was Arsenio Hall. So the joke was a man in a dress, and it's like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, that doesn't hold up. Yeah. Has anybody seen the sequel? Is the sequel any good? Yeah. You, you know what? Yeah. It was. It was okay. I, I'm. I'm just gonna put it out there. Like, it's worth a watch. I think, but go in with your expectations. Just you know, managed. Uh, I, I don't want to say low, but just you know, it's just Adequate. middle of the road, like vanilla ice cream with nothing on it, kind of deal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's that. Okay. It's not. I didn't love it, didn't hate it, and I'll put it that way. But I love Eddie Murphy, so it's yeah. like hard for me to like hate something he's in. You know, this is coming from a guy that literally I do own a copy of like Meet Dave and like <laughs> and, and Norbit. You know, what I mean, so like I, I, I just I love Eddie, man. I just I grew up watching Eddie movies. Same, so me I just, too. Yeah, I grew I just, up watching his uh, stand-up. His oh, yeah, my mom let me watch his stand-up all Woo! the time. Eddie Murphy <laughs> Raw and Eddie Murphy Live. I would just play those like back to back to back because we uh, uh, Golden Child was another one that we had oh, on VHS yeah. and I watched. I've so never many seen times. the Golden Child. Is that a good one? Yeah, oh, yeah. Watch Golden Child. So it fucking weird, dude. It's it is so a weird, weird for like an Eddie Murphy comedy vehicle mm-hmm. that is like. Uh, I don't know, like Big Trouble in Little China meets like yes. Fletch or some shit, yes. you know, like I, it's so fucking weird. Yeah. Awesome. Well, count me in on that one. I got to check that out. Yeah. Just a really, really great flick, man. I'll tell you what. I did also have an experience this week, something I have not experienced in a long time and something I would not have done if it was not ensured that it was being done with the people's safety in mind. But here okay. recently in the old city, Knoxville, Tennessee... We've had a little theater, what's called Central Cinema. It's an independent little movie theater down here that shows all kinds of new flicks and classics, and they love horror movies and stuff like that. Really awesome people run that place. They just reopened under very limited capacity. And again, I was like kind of skeptical. I was like, I don't really know if I want to go sit in a movie theater with a bunch of people, but they're doing it extremely responsibly. They're doing like 30 minutes in between shows so they can sanitize everything. They're limiting ticket count to extremely low numbers. Um, There was nobody around us for probably like five aisles while we were sitting in the theater watching this movie. So it was honestly legitimately very safe and all the staffs wearing masks and stuff like that. So uh, I felt at ease as we went and watched Minari, which is a movie that's up for a bunch of Academy Awards Mm -hmm. and stuff. You guys heard about Minari? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Have you guys seen this? I'm not familiar with this one, I don't think. Yeah. Man, it's really, really good. It's a story that takes place like 
kind of around our childhood era, kind of like early mid-80s, about a Korean family that comes to the States and tries to make it on their own and all the stuff that goes on with them. But it's all kind of based on childhood stories from the director's life and stuff. Really good. Great performances and stuff. And good on good old Central Cinema for making it a safe movie-watching experience. We had ourselves a good time. And the other thing I watched this week, last thing i got to talk about, I talked on last week's show about how I watched through the first two Austin Powers movies. So, of course, I finished it out and watched Goldmember this week. Yeah. Mole, 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 mole. Right? A smoke and a pancake. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I liked it better than the second one. Like, maybe I'm crazy, but I thought that it was kind of okay. I haven't seen it except the one time. I only saw it once back in the day, so... Maybe I need to rewatch it. Maybe you do. I don't know. Because, I mean, like I said on last week's show, the first one still stands up. The second one just felt like it was 20 pounds of shit in a five-pound sack, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Gold Member was fun. I'll put it that way. Have you guys watched any of those movies recently? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I did revisit the first one uh, not too long ago. I think it popped up on Prime maybe sometime last year, and I was like, and I'm a huge Mike Myers guy, so I was like, all right, let's 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 try this again. And yeah, it, a lot of it still held up for me. I, I thought it was I thought it was still very funny. But I, I again, I'm an unabashed like Mike Myers fan. So totally. I, I mean, about the only one of his that I can't really handle is the love guru. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> word. The less said about that, the better. Probably. Yeah, that one <laughs> no sounds doubt. rough. I'll tell you guys what, all this chin wagon we've been doing sure does have my palate dry. I have a great thirst and I need to put a liquid into my face. Am I the only one going through this? I got a desert in my mouth. Oh. Yeah. This is coming out. I'm going to, I'm picking up what you're putting down here, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, right. I'm feeling it. Yeah, for sure. What are you having today, Ben? Uh, I uh, got myself a little uh, Bell's Oberon today. It's like That's a uh, good one. Kind of a, I don't know, I guess like a like a, a light wheat ale, something like that. I don't know. It's pretty good, though. It's not bad. It awesome. is. It's got a little spiciness to it, too. It's got like a little bit of that Belgian wheat kind of flavor to it. It's nice. That's a good one on a hot summer's day. Indeed. And it's nice and hot here in Pittsburgh tonight, so I'm feeling it for sure. There you go. Greg, what are you, uh, what are you quenching that thirst on, homie? Uh, as someone that has never, uh, partaken, I'm going with just old, you know, good old water in a mason jar. You know, I got Ooh. my, Tom, you know, my Tom Sawyer, uh, <laughs> overalls on just drinking out of a mason jar. <laughs> I'll tell you what, drinking anything out of a jar makes it taste plum better. And that's a fact. I, I, I will not dispute <laughs> that. And it does make it alcoholic. <laughs> so technically, sorry, but you're drinking right now. That's Damn true. It. Yep. You're <laughs> sipping on shine. You're sipping on that shine. Will you enjoy that H2O? Personally, I don't trust that stuff. Fish fuck in it. So ain't no way I'm drinking that stuff. I need something to sterilize it like some beer and liquor. So that's why today, myself and Steve, what are we drinking today? Tell them about it, Steve. We're drinking a Three Floyds People Power High Tea, which is a sparkling Ooh. ale brewed with rare tea cellars Darjeeling Black Tea. Oh, my Lord. And good thing we have such a wonderful friend in the form of the notorious RDM, Roger Dean Miller, who delivered this beer unto us. That way it might quench us and inebriate us for a powerful podcast he said that this was a really really good one and the idea of you know a a a sparkling beer with some like black tea elements in it 
I'm excited about that because that sounds like a winning combination to me. Yeah, it sounds like um, hop tea that uh, you're pretty obsessed with. I'm pretty obsessed with that shit, I'll tell you that. So yeah, this does seem right up my alley. I'm pouring it into my drinking vessel right now. Ooh, it I seems see. to be yeah. a boldly <laughs> effervescent beer with mm. a nice golden color. Smells like beer, and you can definitely smell some of that black tea in there. I'm getting just a whiff, yeah, just, just yeah. a hint of it. Smells it, like right? a, well, like maybe if you know you had some tea sitting with way too much ice in it, and then you just got like really <laughs> watered down tea. It's kind of like that. I'm telling you what, dude. If I could have about a hundred of these while I was on a riding lawnmower. That'd be good by me. Well, that's refreshing. <laughs> it is very, very refreshing. Like, that's Holy honestly shit. not very, like, beery, boozy. It honestly does kind of remind me of those hop teas that I'm so obsessed yeah, with. Yeah, that's exactly what it tastes like is a hop tea. That's, like, so fucking smooth. Yeah. What is it? I hope this isn't too high alcohol. Cause... I was going to say, what's the ABV on that thing? Oh, this 5%. Thing... Okay. Ah. I'm not going to slam 20 ounces of a 12 percenter that's this easy to drink. I was going to say, this is this is like a foot long. This isn't a pint yeah. can. This is like a $5 foot long right here. It's a lot of beer. Yeah, 19.2 fluid ounces of co-beer code. So, Ooh. man, I am enjoying this. Roger was right. The boy knows what he's talking about. That is so delicious, man. Yes, indeed. Got some uh, impressive artwork on that can there, too. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. does. Pretty colorful there. It's got, mm, uh, it's got several it. characters in here, including a werewolf. Ah, yeah. Werewolf. Werewolf. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I have to interject here. Uh, the Let's Roger Dean Miller you're talking about, does he live in Nashville? That he does. Is he from Cleveland? Mm-hmm. That he is. Uh, I used to play with his band Wreak Havoc all the time, and those dudes are very good friends of mine. Bullshit. <laughs> are you serious? Dead serious, 100%. <laughs> The RDM connection. What a small world it is. Dude, uh. that's crazy. So I met Roger in Cleveland whenever I was touring playing guitar with Whitechapel. Oh. Yeah. And it has just been so crazy to see like how many connections there are through the music scene and stuff like that. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. We used to go to shows. He's playing band with that guy. That's so funny. <laughs> Further proves my point that Greg Greg knows everybody. I mean, he knows everybody. Jesus Christ, Greg. I'm always getting heckled about this. <laughs> <laughs> Never met a stranger, that Greg. That's what they say. Never met a stranger. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's right. Yeah. Greg's like He's the a good mayor guy. of Pittsburgh. You can't take him anywhere without you know, <laughs> whoa, him whoa, wait a minute. Our mayor sucks ass. Don't put that on me. <laughs> well, you're going to be the new mayor. You're going to be the new mayor. <laughs> new mayor of Pittsburgh. The people's mayor, Greg. The people's Coming for champ. you, Peduto. <laughs> Do it. I'm telling here's you your slogan. Greg, the second G stands for good. Oh. Mm -hmm. And just a, mm -hmm. just a Hogan flex on that. There yeah. we go. Boom. What's up? <laughs> That's awesome, man. Wow, what a small world. That's a cool connection right there, huh? Oh, yeah. Good people. There's good folks everywhere, y'all. Good people's all over the place. And I'll tell you what there's about to be. There's about to be four good people getting loaded up in a shuttle straight on a hellbound trip to the Preview Palace, brother! Whoa. Welcome to the Preview Palace. <laughs> An angelic <laughs> intro. That's mm -hmm. cool. I kind of went with the, with the pro wrestling vibe. You come in a little bit smooth. Yeah, it's a yeah. Good, I had to balance it out, I felt like. <laughs> That's good. That's a good way to do it. And you know what? This movie that we're talking about today, this brain scan from the 19 to 94 while I was watching this, it was really just reminding me over and over about all those insidious 
Vidja games that I used to play as a kinder kid, as a child child, back in the days of my youth. What my family thought was sure to turn me into an insane, satanic, psycho killer. And I'm just, I'm just going to say, it's a wild guess here, but I'm just going to guess that considering all of us are around the same age and grew up in the era of the satanic panic, I'm betting that I'm not alone in having experiences where our parents thought that totally benign things in pop culture were going to turn us evil. That's that's not crazy, right? No, no, you're not. No, you are not crazy. Yep, you are right. So I say as we get on into the preview palace here, how about we just share some experiences about the stuff that our family thought was going to turn us to the dark side? Because I know for myself, growing up in a quite conservative Christian household... There's a laundry list about a mile long of stuff what was going to steal my soul and turn me evil, including such video games as Doom. You guys mm -hmm. play a Doom? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I played yeah. it like crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, do I'll throw Duke Nukem out in there, too, because you guys yeah. see uh, <laughs> uh, pixelated uh, video boobies. game boobies in that. Yeah. Sure to turn you evil, for sure. Will they quake in there, too? Ooh, Quake. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Doom was one that was like a really big hot topic in, in our household because I think at one point, like me or my brother snuck in like a PlayStation copy. You know, they, they did the really great port of Doom onto PlayStation. Mm -hmm. And I think we kept it secret for a while, but eventually mom found it and she was like super pissed. But then it was like, wait, mom, you're killing the demons. We're the good guys. <laughs> and it, it actually worked for a little while. Yeah. And, and then she ended up taking it back away again. <laughs> but we knew where she hit it, so then we'd just go get it and play it. So, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm not going to be of much use to you, Ben, throughout this because my mom didn't limit my intake on anything. Oh, my Lord. So there are only a, I only a couple of small things where it was like, no, you can't do that. And I'll talk about them. But when it came to video games or movies or whatever, she was just like, eh, whatever. So I got to play Doom like crazy. And we ended up in the same spot. So next time you talk to your mom, be like, the Doom thing didn't work. <laughs> didn't take. No effect, man. Mortal Kombat was another huge one. Mm. Like, the controversy about that game, oh, yeah. good lord, dude, was, was inescapable when we were kids. And it's so funny to go back and look at these games and to think that people really thought this was going to turn their kids evil or some kind of crazy shit when it's like the most pixelated, unrealistic... <laughs> like, this isn't a fucking murder simulator. Like, video games these days... Man, they're realistic. I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I played uh, a ton of the Mortal Kombat. I played a ton of the GTA V. Uh, from, from then to now, feels the same to kill people. Doesn't matter how <laughs> yeah. realistic it looks. It's just a video game you're playing and you're trying to beat someone at something. That's it. Yeah, that's true. Never really affected anyone, I don't think in any way like they thought it was going to at the time yeah i'll tell you this too man the first time that i ever punched somebody through the heart and ripped their spine out from the hole i was like 
man, the video game had this all wrong. It's nothing like that at all. <laughs> Not realistic. <laughs> Didn't affect me in the least. Yeah, I mean, I, f I remember the first time I turned somebody into a baby. Um, I, I was like, man, this is this is nothing like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> Babality. <laughs> Did you guys have any like banned video games in your all's household? You know, I was very fortunate that I hung out with kids who either a like their parents didn't care or they had like an older brother. Mm -hmm. So they had an older brother or that that had like, you know, the Metallica and the Megadeth records. <laughs> and so yeah. I got I got exposed to that at a very young age. I want to say like seven or eight years old. I was mm -hmm. like, Damn way into that you know when like nirvana came along i was like right on top of that you know so like i was exposed to a lot of that counterculture like pretty early but i remember the biggest one is that my buddy dave uh had an older brother named tom who had a copy of Leisure Suit Larry. Yes. You guys remember that? Oh. <laughs> yes, my friend Kevin's brother, older brother, had a copy, yep. yeah. Dude, was uh, that on 3DO? Is that what that was for? It was just a PC game. Yeah, PC it was just game. straight okay. up PC game, uh, computer console game that, uh, yeah, you were just like this sleazy guy who would like, try to pick up girls like and go to strip clubs and things like that and man i gotta say it was pretty titillating for uh for young ben <laughs> yeah i was like wow this is what adult life is like being a man wow <laughs> and it was about that time that you discovered the joys of injecting heroin directly into the main vein of your dick in the name of satan right <laughs> yep. it was yeah and that's how that works yeah no. lots of time spent in rehab facilities because of leisure suit larry but <laughs> i came out on top hey look at me now ma look i'm hey, it. i'm okay yes <laughs> That's a story we can all relate to, I know. What about you, Greg? Did you have any, like, video games and stuff that infiltrated your home and uh, turned you evil? Not really. Um, I mean, you know, my my parents were, were pretty chill. I mean, my dad was a very healthy hair metal fan, a lot of Motley Crue, so we already had technically satanic imagery in the house. Nice. Um, awesome. A lot, of, a lot of horror movies uh, on tap. Um, and yeah, there was really no cap on me. I played a lot of Quake, a lot of uh, Resident Evil 2, the director's cut, Twisted Metal, oh, yeah. so uh, good. the Evil Dead, like PS1 games. Uh, however, the one the one time the hammer came down was I was at, uh, I believe, West Coast Video, and I tried to rent Monkey Shines, uh, the locally filmed George Romero film. Yeah. And my mom was like, absolutely not. You are never watching that. Huh. Somehow. <laughs> She had conflated this with the monkey brain eating scene from Faces, uh, of, Faces Death. of Death. Yeah. Oh, no clue how. I mean, my mom hates horror movies and the most gnarly thing she ever saw was fucking Maniac because my dad took her on a date to go see it when it came out. That's pretty gnarly. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually found a, a, a recent, uh, recently found a, a news clipping of like when it was and I was like, is this when you went and saw this at this theater? She was like, that's it. <laughs> Whoa, crazy. Um, I, I will say the, the closest I have is uh, uh, my wife has told me the story a few times that uh, her older brother had a uh, Creed CD and her mom threw it away claiming it was satanic. And I'm still not totally <laughs> convinced that she didn't just throw it away because it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more accurate, yeah. Because she's, she's into very, uh, you know... Uh, 
uh, not extreme stuff, but you know, she she likes Pantera. She you know she likes a little Earth Crisis here now and then. But yeah, Creed, the the hammer came down on Creed somehow. <laughs> if you listen real close on my sacrifice, he's like my baby sacrifice. So it's a baby <laughs> yeah. sacrifice that he's talking about. Hidden messages, the backwards masking. Mm-hmm. We all know about it, uh-huh. right? It did have to be very convenient, though, if you were, like, a parent in the late 80s or early 90s just to see something that your kid was doing that you fucking hated that drove you nuts and you'd be like, ah, satanic, get it out of the house. I don't, I, I got nothing. Fuck it. Straight it this shit sucks. I mean, they worship the devil. <laughs> yeah, get it out of here. Can't stand it. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I I know my, my parents did two, like, well, one that's really weird. The other one I could kind of understand, but... I really like when, you know, when the Ninja Turtles came out and karate, you know, karate kid and all that kind of stuff. I really wanted to take karate and Mm. my parents, especially my mom was like, no way it's going to make him (laughs) violent. And, you know, when you really like, like karate is like everything but that really, it just teaches teaches like discipline and shit like that. But my mom was like, nah, don't want you fighting. So I got pushed into piano lessons instead and just, uh, (laughs) learn how Similar. to play, play music but you know um yeah they were really weird about karate like they just didn't want me anywhere my near mom it. was the same way ben yeah, yeah. same way she because like i i would i would already punch people anyway um because i'd be like karate um she was like <laughs> karate, if he karate. learns how to actually do it trouble he's unstoppable he's gonna go yeah judy chopping and ninja chopping everybody I think the biggest thing though was was Beavis and Butthead for sure. I think oh, when, man. when that came along, like my mom was like, "No, you're not." I think it was because it was a cartoon that my mom was like, "Oh no, like he loves cartoons and like this is a." They're telling me on the news these these kids are playing baseball with frogs and they are you know <laughs> doing yep. bad things and you cannot watch that and. I mean, we had, like, basic cable growing up, and so I would sneak like hell. I mean, it was like a fucking quest to to catch an episode of Beavis and Butthead for me and, like, have it turned down low enough that my mom wouldn't hear it, you know, in the other room. Um, So, yeah, that was was big for me, for sure. Beavis and Butthead. I can relate to that in so many fucking ways, dude. You you do the quest where it's like you, you know, you don't step on the creaky step. And you know that one floorboard that's going to make noise and all that kind of stuff just to cover your tracks so you could watch that shit. And yeah, dude, like seriously, your mom and my mom would have been super, super tight because I remember <laughs> all that exact same stuff, the frog baseball and all that shit. And, and South Park especially too. That was like a mm. huge one for our parents where they were just like, they're trying to warp children's minds with cartoons, blah, blah, blah. And specifically, I remember hearing about South Park as well as another thing I wanted to talk about, which was the Matrix. For some reason, <laughs> both of these things were were definitely out to turn me to Satan because there was like this little like monthly pamphlet of movie reviews that our church would have. I don't know if this is like a nationally published thing and they send them around to churches that subscribe to it or if it was just something like our church printed themselves. I've got no idea. Old Manly Baptist Church. In, uh, in Talbot, Tennessee, they would come out with these movie guides that were like safe Christian movie watching things. And, you know, it would it would have like reviews of, of current flicks and say what it was about and also like list everything that was like, you know, every profanity that was in the movie and if there's violence in it and stuff like that. 
And I just remember really enjoying going through and like reading the bad stuff that was in the movies. <laughs> just being like, <laughs> they said shit five times. This movie's got to be fucking sick. <laughs> But specifically, like, there was an issue of that little pamphlet that, that got circulated that had The Matrix and South Park in it. And it was, like, talking about how evil The Matrix is. And everybody in the church was just, like, super up in arms about this, like, it's a false reality, not of the Lord, and blah, blah. And then it's like, dude, you fast forward, you know, whatever, 20 years or whenever that came out. And, like, as I was in the AT&T store today, like, upgrading my fucking iPhone they're playing like Matrix Revolutions on a big TV on there with the sound on and nobody gives a shit <laughs> well Ben this is just evidence that our culture has degraded that now that's we true. accept these alternative realities and little kids cussing that's right that's a good point <laughs> we've come a long way and it's not looking good but that's also <laughs> the same experience that I had with like Marilyn Manson, which mm-hmm. of course, as of recent news, we were like, God damn it, like our fucking boomer parents were right about him. He is yeah, a he big sucks. piece of shit. Yeah. Fuck shit. him. <laughs> Horrible human being. But I remember at the time, like all of our parents thought that that guy was like literally the Antichrist. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget just a few years ago, I was going for a jog around this like little like community football field that was back in the town that we used to live in. And there was like this huge kids like junior league football event going on and kids were all running and playing and there was hot dogs and hamburgers being grilled and they were playing like the beautiful people on the stereo and nobody <laughs> cared <laughs> i was like wow this has changed a lot yeah uh i don't know yeah marilyn manson i, I see i don't think my parents caught wind to him i don't know i i don't think they did like i, I had some friends who had it i would i don't know if i if i would have brought that home maybe they would Maybe be upset by that, but like, strangely enough, my parents were all right with me bringing home that that corn record, like the first corn record. Like my dad was like, "This is pretty cool," you know. Like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh this no! Guy's dad. dad was a dick. I'm a better dad than him. Mm. So, <laughs> my my experience with Marilyn Manson was that uh, they, they were fine with me listening to it, but then when I was uh, 15 and Marilyn Manson came to Knoxville and I wanted to go to the concert, no. I don't know what happened there. Like suddenly my family that was like, you can do whatever, whatever. We don't give a shit. But you want to go to a concert of a man <laughs> named Marilyn? No. <laughs> and it really was that he wore makeup. It was nothing wow. else. Because my grandmother, I am positive to this day, is still afraid I'm gay. <laughs> I know that wife of his ain't gonna last. He's gonna come out at some point now. Yeah, uh, like, cause like the only thing she banned was uh, uh, me wearing a fingernail polish and me going to see Marilyn Manson. Well, it's a strange thing she was fixated on when she also would watch every single horror movie with me when I was like a (laughs) child. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting hill to die on. It is. It's weird. But that's where it was. But the thing is, is like nowadays we all know the real cure is if you did get the gay, you just watch the WAP video and then you're so sexualized <laughs> that you're straight again. But if you that watch that little point. Nas X video, back Right to back gay. in the dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You got to have that WAP video queued up, man. You got to have it queued up just just in case, you know? Right, for the moment the gay thoughts come. 
Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. That's yeah. right. You can't yeah. watch them back to back either. You get real bad vertigo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a confused boner. <laughs> Very confused. <laughs> what I Which do makes them sit for longer than you than you'd like. <laughs> Let me ask you guys if you remember this. And this is one of those things that I really just wonder if this was just my very weird church circle that I grew up in and stuff like that. But do you guys remember, like, in the 80s, as children, there was a lot of parents what were suspicious about holograms. <laughs> what? Ben, yes. I, listen, we have talked about how weird your childhood is, but what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> holograms specifically please explain dude i wish that i could like elaborate more but i just remember (laughs) that okay you gotta think too when we were kids all the sickest action figures had some kind of hologram element on a lot of them right like there was i I can't remember the names of some of them there's some that like you'd like crack open and it'd be like, oh, it's like a mummy hologram or like a snake hologram inside of this action figure. Then you put the little plastic cover on him and it's like, oh, he's a man. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I don't know if they thought that there was some kind of hidden message or some kind of subliminal image in these holograms and stuff like that. But this was a thing, I assure you. Again, I I don't remember the specifics because I think I was like (laughs) maybe five, maybe five or six. Yeah. You know, this would be like late 80s, early 90s. But hologram suspicion was definitely a fucking thing in Talbot, Tennessee. The fact that I believe it is what blows my mind. That's the thing, (laughs) right? Because, like, you said it, and I was like, no way. And then I was like, wait, yeah, that's where we're from. Yep. Yeah. That's probably true. Why? Yeah, I don't Why, know. The, the Catholics weren't up on that. Yeah, it must have been a bap- must have been a Baptist thing. Must yeah. Have been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it must have been for sure, man. Yeah, there was just evil lurking around every corner in in our age of the of the satanic panic. Do you guys have anything else that's coming to mind for you here? Um, yeah, nothing else really comes to mind. I will kind of follow up on on Ben's Beavis and Butthead talk and say that that's another one that like my family just pulled a complete one eighty on. My dad literally had a frog baseball T shirt. That he would wear often, which I wish I still had. Um, That's awesome. But the the reluctance from my mom came from Ren and Stimpy because they followed oh, yeah. too much. Yeah. To the point where uh, her brother, my uncle, bought me one of the farting Ren dolls. Oh, and I remember she those, was dude. Man. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what, though. I went back and rewatched some old Ren and Stimpy episodes for the first time in forever, like a couple Blair. of months ago. And. It's hilarious and weird as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very subversive. And, like, just to think, like, how old I was watching those episodes, uh, a lot of shit, I'm sure, went over my head. But, yeah, you go back and watch it now, and you're like, it made some really weird shit for us as kids. Like, yeah. A lot of nipple <laughs> fixation on that one. Tons. <laughs> it's a... Tons and tons. It's like it's it sucks to find out that the creator is a fucking weirdo. Yeah. He's a sh- he's piece apparently of shit, a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. full on piece of shit. But it also then makes all of that weirder. Yeah. Like you go back and watch it, and you're like, wait, what is this about? What am yeah. I missing here? Also, yeah. like he probably just thought this was normal. Yeah, he was <laughs> like, yeah, that's cool stuff. You know, regular stuff. Hey, you're a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's the funny thing about all this stuff. Like, the immense, you know, extreme dramatic taboo that a lot of our parents from our generation built up around, yeah, heavy metal and horror movies and video games and stuff, dude. 
it only served to make us more fascinated by it. Like anything sure. that you put yeah. that much of a fence around, it's just a guarantee that the minute you get an opportunity to go check it out, you're going to, you know? Yeah, nothing made like those violent video games more well known than Congress talking about it exactly. <laughs> for a year. Like, yeah. I didn't know what Night Trap was until Congress <laughs> was telling me that I couldn't play it. And then I was like, well, I want to play Night Trap. And if you've ever played Night Trap, you find out you don't want to play Night Trap. No. That game's so boring. <laughs> mm -mm, no, no, not at all, man. Yeah, what a funny time to be alive and what a, a stupid amount of stuff our parents uh, were, were scared about. And I think we all turned out pretty all right. I agree. I agree. We're all fine. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we're all fine. Hail Satan. Hail Satan, <laughs> fellas. Hail Satan, all of us. Hello, we're fine. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Now that we've moved on out of the preview palace, how about we get to talking about the subject of today's episode? Now, this is an odd one that you guys picked because whenever you guys told me the title, I was like, that sounds kind of strange, but I went and watched it. Brian's Can? It's a pornographic <laughs> movie. It's all about asses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, I guess it was horrific in a way. A lot of that stuff looked very uncomfortable and, and unpleasant to me. And it was shocking. So I get it. I'm going to say 8 out of 10. Brian's can. Okay. Weirdly Brian's enough, also, also uh, contains a white zombie song. <laughs> I thought Brian's can was poorly acted, though. Oh, yeah? I mean, unlike you, I was like, riveted because i was like is that gonna fit in brian's can <laughs> edge of your seat action yeah and, and i don't want to be rude and you know i hate to body shame but i've seen better cans you know what i mean That's i'm true. just saying <laughs> yeah you know what it's important it's to have just like come on guys picks maybe maybe uh todd's can would have been yeah. better <laughs> mm -hmm. i think so i think so well, how about we also talk about Brain Scan from 1994? What's a, a movie about Edward Furlong and an evil video game and sucked into a world of murder and violence and yada, yada, yada. What made you guys choose this one to be the topic for the episode that you guys are guest starring on? Well, uh, you know, we talked about this a bit off mic before we started recording today, but... Um, I just feel like this is one of those movies that just perfectly sort of encapsulates like, you know, everything we were just talking about, you know, the sort of video game terror and just the aesthetic of that sort of mid 90s uh, teenage boy vibe. Um, like, I feel like I was pretty close to Eddie Furlong's age, you know, mm -hmm. when this movie takes place. And, um, you know, it just when I watch it, it immediately sucks me back into being like 11 or 12 years old and being totally. into all the shit that he's into yep. and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just one of those ones from my childhood that I remember even seeing the poster at, at my movie theater and being like, what is that? Like, I gotta <laughs> see this. Like, Oh my God. You know? Um, so yeah, it's just one of those ones. And I mean, I'm sure Greg will go into this more, but it's got a fucking killer soundtrack. So mm -hmm. hell yeah, yeah, definitely. Greg, what's your history with this flick? Um, I had seen bits and pieces of it. Um, probably around the time I was graduating high school, so like 2004, 2005. Uh, probably on like FearNet or something like that. And I was always obviously very struck with like the trickster, um, and just kind of the weird, you know, kind of like 
this is what technology is going to look like uh, yeah. kind of angle of it. Uh, never saw it in one sitting until uh, the other day when I watched it for this show. But oh. yeah, I mean, it, going back and watching it now, there's so much I picked up on, especially like stuff in the background and, you know, a lot of, you know, obviously the stuff that doesn't really hold up, but it's it's just an incredibly fun time. Um, so I I was glad to finally see it for like the first time in whole in one sitting. Awesome. I, um, actually had never seen this, um, but I had seen the trickster on the cover of the, the VHS and I hated the design of the trickster so much that I never (laughs) rented it. I was just like, that looks very off putting. Uh, and now after watching it, I'm like, yeah, it looks off-putting, but it looks great. And I'm glad that it looks that way. But, like, it was the worst possible way to advertise the movie to me at that time. Because just looking at every time I looked at the box, I was grossed out by it. I was I just... that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you, too. Like, is the original artwork and poster and stuff that you were talking about, is it the same that's on my, my Blu-ray release where it's like, it's not even just like a picture of the trickster's face. It looks like it's half of his face, and then they mirror imaged it because it has that like yeah. weird symmetry to it. They're like, okay, yeah. this is two halves of the same face, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I Bad. remember. And that's, um, yeah, it's just off putting. And like the way it actually looks when he's in motion and stuff, uh, it's off putting, but in uh, the way you want it to be. You're supposed to be like off put by him a bit. Uh, but it, it, it's not the same as that look. Just like every time I saw the cover, it was just like, that looks gross. I just don't even want to know what that's about. <laughs> uh, but now watching it, I'm like, man, I should have watched this in 1994. I would have loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think the same thing, because especially like considering that this was out in the era of like, let's say Nick Arcade, mm-hmm. where you got yeah. to enter into the video game yourself and be a part of that gameplay. I think this would have been something that really excited me as a kid and i think if i would have seen this when i was a kid i think i would have liked it but i would have also been disappointed by the fact that when he's in the game it doesn't look like a video game it just looks like real life like i think i would like i would have liked to have seen something more like the are you afraid of the dark version of this where a kid's literally now as an adult no, when I was a kid, I would have oh, liked okay. that better. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, that's bad. Although, now that you mention it, maybe. I'm actually, I'm glad you brought up Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because this yeah. does feel like an Are You Afraid yes. of the Dark episode yes, that just has, like, slightly more gore to it. Like, mm-hmm. it really is not that extreme as it's, like, sort of presented to you on the video box, but... um. Yeah, it definitely has that Are You Afraid of the Dark sort of like after hours Nickelodeon vibe, but just amped up a little bit more, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's also kind of like early 90s Black Mirror where it's like evil technology, fantasy, sci-fi kind of thing. It's very Black Mirror in a lot of ways, too. The mm-hmm. only, the major thing that would keep it off of the Are You Afraid of the Dark Nickelodeon time slot would be that uh, we see what's supposed to be a teenage character's boobs. Okay. Yeah. How about that? I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I uh, didn't understand. I, I mean, I got that they made him peep on her. That was like an '80s and '90s trope that, like, if you peep on somebody long enough, maybe eventually they're also peeping back at you, and so you're in love. 
<laughs> Gee, I wonder why incels are such a thing. I can't figure Somehow it out. Somehow works in this movie. Uh, but yeah, that that was a real weird moment for me because it's like, okay, we can show the kid being a perv, but don't put don't implicate me in this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to see this. teenage boobies. Now she's not a teenager; she's like twenty four, but still, it's, but it's she's weird. presented as such. And exactly, it is weird to think about. And you go back and watch some of these movies, you know, even especially the eighties, but even in the nineties, like it doesn't feel that long ago. And it's like sensual scenes of peeping toms, and even just sex scenes that are supposed to be children. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, kids. <laughs> like, it's like, whoa! Like this is a studio picture. This isn't like some like you know French fucking indie you know whatever yeah. the fuck. Right. I mean, this is a studio movie that they were like, oh, we need the scene with the child's boobs in it. Yeah, like we need to <laughs> we need to film that today. Yeah, and and she uh. needs to look young enough to maybe pass off as a child. And it's like, yeah, these were decisions that adult probably men made you know yeah. like, it's just it's weird yeah i mean <laughs> i would savory. present that uh i think the biggest culprit of that is the stepfather i've never seen that oh yeah Whoa. yeah the is one with uh what's his name from lost yeah Terry yeah quinn yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah pretty full full nude scene of a girl who's supposed to be 16 yeah uh, so Amityville 2 has a similar thing. Oh, oh with Diane And Franklin, it's an incest yeah. scene as well. Yeah. So. I mean, you can even go back to like 1998 uh, or 99. I'm not sure. I can't remember when American Beauty came out. But Yes, ooh, this reminded yeah. me of American Beauty. The scene yeah. is shot almost exactly the same. And that Kinda girl, Thora Birch, uh, I mean, this movie won she was Oscars. Yeah, yeah she yeah. was literally underage. It's not in this yep. case, you know, we at least had an of age actress uh, portraying the role. But like, mm-hmm. this was socially acceptable, you know, in our culture. Like, it's, uh, you know, looking it's at it through the 2021 strange. lens, it's it's problematic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is this actually leads really well into a sad ass conversation we have to have about uh, uh poor Eddie Furlong. Um and kind of proves exactly what you're saying that people had some real fucked up perspectives on children and their sexualities in the 80s and 90s. Uh Eddie Furlong I didn't know about this, but he on the set of T2 met uh the woman who would eventually become his rapist um J- uh, Jacqueline Dormack or Domac who she um was his stand-in she is 14 years older than him oh okay and um then he went on to another movie she became a uh a tutor or a teacher a set teacher and became his set teacher on that set, she was fired because she was discovered wrestling with uh, Edward and another boy. Um, Ooh. I'm assuming it was less innocent than just wrestling because they fired her. I, um, yeah. And at the time, was in the custody of his aunt and uncle because his situation with his mom was terribly uh, bad. And then his situation with his aunt and uncle was terribly bad. They were stealing money from him. So Eddie Furlong's family situation's fucked up. They're all stealing his money. Um, Damn. He's got this woman, grown ass woman, who is uh, taking advantage of him and raping him. Um, and then if you go back, internet era, 
Entertainment Weekly article from 1994, which uh, I'll remind you is three years into Eddie Furlong's uh, career. The article Mm. is about how Edward Furlong has had a rocky career. And the article (laughs) talks about the 28-year-old woman sitting next to him during the interview that's fucking him, and he's 16. And the article talks about all of his struggles and troubles and never connects all these things together. It just presents all this as though like normal things are going on. And really, the trouble is that Edward Furlong can't get it together. This boy who was discovered at 12 at a boys and girls club taken to an audition for T2 got the part and is now on a set where he meets his rapist. Three years later, our Entertainment Weekly is saying, uh, you know, Rocky career for that Edward Furlong. Rocky life. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, that's this is the up. situation our parents should have been worried about in the 80s. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Boys and Girls Club, <laughs> entertainment industry. Keep us the fuck away from that. Keep us at home playing Doom and Duke Nukem. Yes. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Jesus, that's fucked up, man. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that, like, before I knew about all this uh, stuff that you just told us, I was really ready to come into this episode guns blaze and being like, man... <laughs> Fuck Eddie Furlong, being a bad actor and all this kind of stuff. And you're just like, well, he was kind of probably mentally ruined by this point yeah. while this is being filmed. And this, he was God, like that sucks. in the middle of this, uh, like this, while they were filming, dealing with yeah. trying to emancipate himself from his aunt and uncle. Um, and his aunt and uncle had realized like, they once Jackie Domat got fired from that set, they hired her back on as his private tutor because they thought she was good for him. And at this point, they Ooh. had realized what was actually going on because he was like going over to her house late at night, calling her at like 3 a.m. and shit like that. Um, they realized what was going on and they were trying to keep him from her. And so, like, I, I read a quote from John Flynn, the director of this, that said, like, Eddie would like you know you'd have to slap him to wake him up and he wasn't like a, a good actor on this and it's like when you know everything that was going on at that time how is a 16 year old supposed to deal with all that for real like and then yeah. you're expecting him to show up on set and be a good actor and earn money for all of the people in his family and his manager from my understanding wasn't that great either so a lot of shit was going on with this kid i uh, can't imagine how you'd show up on set and and do well no yeah. kidding Ooh, i i honestly i didn't know any of this to be quite honest yeah, I didn't either, until so we got into this that's crazy and just heartbreaking and man i mean all things considered uh fucking kid should have won an oscar for exactly. t2 <laughs> and and this movie yeah. i mean he uh yeah i i thought i think he's fine you know i mean in, <laughs> yes and any anything i've seen him in, you know this sure. or like pet pet cemetery too um i mean he's great in detroit rock city and like all that That's kind of true. stuff so like i um yeah like fucking a that is some heavy ass shit i it did is. not know that he's had a rough wow. life and like he he's really been treated uh you know that a lot of his stuff that's happened in his adulthood with like uh alcoholism drug abuse all those things he's been treated as like 
oh, this is just what happens when you get stardom early. And it's like, no, it has nothing to do with his stardom. It has to do with the people around him using him and abusing him. God, that sucks, man. And the thing that sucks about it, too, is like the fact that you're telling me all this stuff and kind of what you're saying about the holograms earlier. I'm like, I absolutely believe that. Like, there's no bit of hesitation for me to believe that story because that's all too familiar from a lot of other, you know, child actors from that era just getting fucking shredded in the machine and really treated very badly behind the scenes. That's sad and it really fucking sucks. It does. Uh, Which, I mean, it just reinforces what we're saying. Like, there's a weird 80s, 90s view of like children where they're basically just seen as little adults. Like, yeah. And that's, I mean, it's a it's a better way to treat kids than as like what kids are treated as before, which is, you know, basically just props. Like, look, we've got three kids. We're doing the right thing. Picket fence, all that, whatever. I don't pay attention to them. Right. They don't pay attention to me. Uh, it's nice that adults were talking to kids finally, but the fact that it became just, oh, you're a little adult. Here's all my problems. I'll dump them on you. You deal with them. It's just yeah. a strange way to be. And I'm glad I'm glad we've gotten better at that. I hope it I hope it's gotten better. I I don't know. I'm not a child in Hollywood. Yeah, I hope that that has changed. Yeah, I I got to believe it's better these days, but uh just to touch on something else you said. Yeah, I know there's like over the past couple of years there's been some pictures and stuff released of Eddie where like yeah, you know, he's gained some weight and he yeah, he does not look like you know, the teen beat sort of icon he was, you know, in the early 90s, and everyone just would be like, oh, look, look at him. Oh, he got fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, guys, <laughs> come on. He's a fucking human being. Yeah, and and to real. hear, like, the fucking, the shit he, he went through, and then, like, you know, in his adult life, he's getting shit on like this still. Mm-hmm. It, it's fucking heartbreaking, it man. Is. Like, that's you true. Know, it's I, I don't like this, you know, and, and it is very prevalent in the culture we live in now. Or you, like you see a picture of somebody, you're like, "Wow, that guy looks like shit," you know. Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Guys, you know, it's a fucking human being, you know." Like, yeah, fucking for real. Lighten up, man. It's you, know, a, you don't know. I think you know? a lot of times it's like people just, you know, they, especially maybe with uh, Eddie Furlong, like a lot of us who grew up same age as him, it's like. Mm-hmm. Girls thought he was super cute, and mm-hmm. we weren't him. Like, yeah. Uh, so there's some like weird jealousy that that holds over, and now you're a 40 year old being like, oh, he's fat, and it's like, yeah, you are too. <laughs> like, yeah, you're exactly. 40. <laughs> you don't look much better, dude. Yeah. And to, to touch on something we talked about off mic, yeah, like I mean, we we can talk about the amazing haircut yeah. that Eddie Furlong has in this movie Ooh, and so and in T2. And that I tried to have the same haircut, but, uh, you know, I know I you we did all too, did. Steve, and we, uh, you know, we fell short. You know, yeah. I looked in the mirror and I was like, I am not Eddie Furlong. What the fuck? I was like, I need a new, <laughs> like, I'm not going to Fantastic Sam's. That guy's not fantastic at all. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why is mine all floppy and shitty looking? His looks great. I gotta say, I came pretty close back in the heyday of my bowl cuttery because yeah. I got some fine <laughs> straight hair that's, that's pretty thick. It was brown when I was a kid. It's darker and stuff now, but when I was a kid, I came decently close, but I was definitely not as fucking cool, and I didn't have a bedroom that was as decked out as that motherfucker's. Oh, my Dude. God. Dude, that widescreen right. TV is awesome. 
<laughs> I bet that was a cheap thing back then, right? Everybody could afford one of those. Sure. Uh, not my folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his room was decked out. And it's funny, too, to see that, like, even though it is, like, yeah, totally silly and, like, oh, 90s technology and stuff like that, it's like, well, he does kind of have Alexa yeah. already, only it's true. Yeah. It? E- Igor or whatever. Yeah, he's got top of the yeah, line. Yeah, let's talk about Igor. Igor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's like one of those things that you know that early '90s idea of what computers were going to be, where it was mm-hmm. like, I know right now, all you you got your compact and you're like, what do I do other than play Mist? Well, <laughs> like <laughs> in the future, it's gonna be like this. It'll be your personal assistant too. I saw this great fucking meme somebody posted earlier this week of like, I think it was like a Radio Shack ad. And it was like this super cool 80s guy, and he had like a big-ass camcorder on his shoulder, and in front of him he had like a camera, and he had like a stereo, and he had like all this like technology, and it was like an ad for Radio Shack. And like the meme was just like, reminder, everything in this picture is in your hand right now. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I, I I agree. Like when I saw this as a kid, and him having an Igor that could screen his calls and like make calls for him and Sign things like up. that, I was like, all I got on my computer is snood. Like, I mean, this this <laughs> fucking sucks. Yeah, Minesweeper. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, his uh his room and the entire aesthetic of that place is totally like, I think that everybody when we were kids had that one friend. That was like an only child and like super spoiled and his parents were kind of rich and bought him like absolutely everything Mm and probably nobody really liked him all that much, but he would always have the new video game that you wanted to play. So you go and hang out with him Mm -hmm. so you could check it out. I think everybody knew that guy, right? Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And I know I was never going to listen to this, but... His name was Greg, and he was a double G Greg, but not the one we're talking to today. I I guarantee. (laughs) Yep. Oh my God! It was. Yes, he was that kid, and his room kind of looked like that. I mean, he didn't have an Igor, but like always had the new issue of Circus Magazine, so he had all the best pictures of Kurt Cobain to put on his fucking wall. And I was like, God damn it! Like, how do you get? uh, how does your mom pay for circus magazine every fucking week? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember having a friend who had a Neo Geo and it was like, Oh, oh yeah. you're the richest person ever. I knew one family that had a Neo Geo. It wasn't the speeds. Was it? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Cause there was, there was one family. <laughs> I know. Right. Cause there was like, we have all those connections that, you know, or were common friends of ours, uh-huh. even though we never knew each other back That's in the, the day. Thing. But there was one family in Morristown, the Speeds, that did have a Neo Geo, and I went over there and played the shit out of that thing, and I couldn't believe it, man. But, yeah, it's like that kid would always have, like, the Sega CD mm-hmm. or, like, whatever the newest system was that, like, you couldn't afford yet. But then you'd go over and play it and play Night Trap and be like, this kind of sucks, though. <laughs> or Sewer Shark. It's so lame. Oh, man, I wish I knew someone had a Neo Geo so I could play that Streets of Rage. Oh, man. man. Yeah. That was my Samurai shit. Showdown. Get your Bonks Adventure on, dude. That's right. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep, that was the one that I played the shit out of that day, man. I like the, like, because we're, we're telling about this kid, and the movie presents us with this exact kid that we can relate to from that era 
and he has all the things like he has a refrigerator in his he's got his own kitchen like a little kitchen in his room like yeah. i knew a kid who had his own refrigerator in his room and it was like he sucked down so many cokes like it was ridiculous <laughs> but the that like just tells us all a story that maybe like everyone doesn't get but we get because we're from that era we get that like oh like his parents aren't there they're giving him things because they're not there and we know mm-hmm. then we find out his mom you know died in that that car accident and his dad we get from the phone calls that there's you know a distance and a disconnect and that you know obviously his dad tries to stay away from him uh which sort of sets up the character really well yeah I agree. I, I think it's artfully done. We're not sort of beaten over the head with it in this movie. Like a lot of other movies probably would, mm-hmm. you know, do to the audience, you know, is make the dad be like this bad guy kind of character. And he's really not. No. I mean, he calls and like checks in on him. is like, I'm sorry. You know, my business trip's going a little bit longer than it should. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to be there and things like that. Whereas like a more cliche movie, not to say there isn't some cliches in this, Sure. would definitely be like you know have the dad that's like oh get out of my way ah fuck you turn yeah. off your video games you <laughs> yeah. know like that's all you care about ah you know that that kind More of like vibe, an elm so. street dad that's a classic elm street dad behavior exactly, oh, exactly. that's dream master dad yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i play my video games to escape you dad yeah <laughs> and yeah that kind of absentee parent narrative in here is i think something that I want to ask you guys about because it's easy to watch this movie and see it as, you know, a warning to parents. These video games you're giving your kids are going to turn them into psycho killers. But then you watch the movie and it's like, it's kind of saying that, but it's also kind of saying like, well, yeah, also his parents aren't there for him and this kid has no family and nobody in his life. Yeah. So it's kind of your fault. (laughs) Yeah. How do you guys feel this movie treads on those, on those waters? Do you think it's saying video games are to blame or is it saying the parents need to be there with kids? I think, uh, I mean, I, I think it is looking at that, like, parental responsibility. I mean, it. I, I think this is in a lot of ways responding to those uh, 1993 Senate, like, hearings about video game violence. Like, they're mm-hmm. really responding to the idea of, like, actually, it's, it's parental responsibility we need to be looking at. And mm-hmm. y- you're really looking for a scapegoat here. Uh, and finding ways that video games are the problem. But then we do get presented with the ultra-violence of the video game, which is uh, a, a fact of, of life in by 94, that there are, as we said, ultra-violent video games. Yeah, I think it's giving you a little bit of both. Like, it, it it's sort of... It's, it's getting you into the theater to be like, video games are bad, and look what can happen. But it's secretly, like, sideswiping you with the... It, what yeah what steve is saying like it's it's you know it's really about the parents and and the parental guidance and being there for the kids and yada yada you know um so i think it kind of like secretly gives that message to you if if and if you're not looking for it you know you might miss it for sure mm-hmm. i think so too man and of course this was crafted by the very capable writing hands of what's his name that <laughs> also wrote seven and like a ton of other fucking amazing movie yeah. Steve, what's that feller's name tell us about him. andrew kevin walker i was i was mm-hmm. interested to see this that um so he moved um from uh, pennsylvania i believe to uh la 
to sell his script that he had in tow, which was seven. This was a 91. Oh, wow. That movie mm-hmm. goes back that far. That's crazy. Gets to Hollywood, uh, shops it around. People are interested, but they keep having him doing rewrites. So he's he uh, did some other stuff. He did an episode of Tales from the Crypt, which I watched with Billy Zane. That was uh, a funnier episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, did some script doctoring, etc. But uh, finally did get a movie made, and that was this movie, Brain Scan. Uh the thing is that's interesting to me is once he did get seven made, like Fincher uh, got an older version of his script, which was closer to his original and went with that. So for years he was shopping around a script and they were telling him to fix it. And then David Fincher was like, I really like this script you got here. So yeah. maybe sometimes when people are telling you to fix your script, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Maybe. Yeah, so, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, seven. Uh, so yeah, he sold he, he sold seven. After that, uh, he was in with Fincher and in with a lot of people. He did the uh, script for Eight Millimeter, the script for Sleepy Hollow, but also was um, a script doctor on Event Horizon, Fight Club, oh. and Stir of Echoes, and a little Damn. movie that you mentioned not long ago, Ben, The Game. Yeah. No shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he wow, he also uh like was working on a Silver Surfer script and an X-Men Whoa. script back in the 90s. Dude. Yeah. This guy saw the writing on the wall. Superheroes were going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Wow. He knew it. And the director of this flick I don't really know much about, but I believe that he also did some pretty big things in his career, right? Yeah, yeah, he did uh he did a movie called Rolling Thunder, which is uh one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite. Re- yeah, really yeah. brutal. I hear that one like, uh, referenced all the time. It's kind of a badass movie, yeah. I will say. It, it's uh, definitely in that uh, Death Wish uh, mm-hmm. kind of vein, Vietnam vet kind of, you know, wreaks, uh, venge- or wreaks havoc on, on some people that did him wrong kind of deal. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's actually pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, he also uh, directed one of our uh, previous 80s Nuggets uh, bestseller. Okay. Oh, yeah. Who was in that? Ooh, James Woods and uh, Brian Denny. Brian Denny, Brian Denny I believe. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he dealt. He dealt. He did um, a few things throughout the late '80s and early '90s where he he was dealing with a lot of big names. So James Woods, Denny, he, um, uh, Steven Seagal. He did out for justice with Steven he Seagal. He did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's he's um obviously knows what he's doing. I mean, this is a, a well directed movie. I I didn't really have any issue with the direction and there were the tropes that kind of got a little silly or iffy to me weren't great, but uh, mostly thought the script was solid. Word, man. And the cast in this, of course, we got Eddie Furlong, but we've also got a couple other noteworthy figures. Now, uh, the guy that plays Trickster is old T. Ryder Smith, which is, I think, pretty universally everybody's favorite part about this movie. He's definitely the guy that chews up the scenery the most and is the most iconic part of this flick. How do you guys feel that he did in this? What do you think about the character of the trickster? Is this like an icon that could get more movies made out of that villain, or are you a one-and-done kind of fan of the trickster? I mean, I feel like they were definitely trying to uh you know create some kind of franchise out of this for him i mean it was clearly going for uh some freddy krueger you know type 
type vibes is what I picked up on. Um, like Freddy Krueger for the nineties kind of thing, you know? Um, I think I, yeah. I saw, I would say that's the exact same thing I saw. And I just realized that Leprechaun came out around this time too. And it seems like because they weren't making more, or at least it wasn't uh, obvious if they were going to make any more Nightmare on Elm Street movies, everybody was like, oh, well, we'll jump into the Freddy void, right? Exactly. Yeah. Occupy that space, man. And I'll tell you what, I think the, the thing about the trickster that stands out the most to me is how, you know, once again, it's like they were peering into the future because that guy's snacking and he's having some chicken and some hot dogs and some mustard and stuff like that. He was keto <laughs> trickster before that was even a thing. He's on that keto diet. That's why he stays so trim. True. <laughs> well, he was eating yeah. mustard on bananas. On bananas. Was. Yeah, I was Ooh. like, what? I was like, I was like, this is bananas. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Dude, so this is a trope from the 80s and 90s, too, that kids like gross things. I was a kid yeah. then. I didn't like gross things. And when shit like this was in movies, I was always like, yeah, that's gross. Like, but they sold this shit to us constantly, like creepy crawlers and shit like that. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. boys love spiders. No, what? Get <laughs> shit away from me. I'll tell you what, though, man, between the the uncooked chicken the pickles and the mustard that meal is like the anti-ben that was the scariest part of the movie for me i was like get away from that plate it's disgusting ben unlike other people hates uncooked chicken the rest Ew. of us chicken sashimi <laughs> bring it on <laughs> yeah his character in this uh, again is easily the most standout part because one of my biggest complaints about the movie is that i think the majority of the characters are, are pretty flat and obviously the trickster is a lot more flamboyant and stuff like that. But I do find the tone of his character and kind of his vibe and energy to be kind of all over the map. Because sometimes he's like wilding out, dancing to fucking Primus and holding up CDs <laughs> and be like, never leave home without it. And then other times he seems like kind of like snooty British butler like really low key mm -hmm. and like very well spoken and calm and quiet. And it's just kind of like, I couldn't decide on what his tone was. Yeah. I think the movie like struggles with that a lot. Like, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the first kill Ben and I were talking about this, uh, before we started recording, the first kill is this like super hardcore giallo kill. Awesome. And then none of the kills after that are like that. Like, so there's, yeah. they're like tone issues and like just consistency issues throughout. I agree with that, man. That first kill, like whenever it got to that part where, you know, he gets in the game and then it's all like first person perspective. It was very giallo. It was like also very um, like, you know, maniac mm -hmm. or very Michael Myers in a way right there yeah. where you're in the eyes of the killer and, you know, and he stabs that guy and he cuts the foot off and like, it was super grisly and super gruesome right there. And I was like, damn, dude, this movie is going hard. And then it kind of never reaches that point again. Like it, yeah. it peaks at the first kill. And then the rest of it is just kind of like, and off screen death, off screen death, off screen death. You never really go back to that again. I thought that was a really missed opportunity because showing it in the first person perspective really makes you get that vibe that like, oh, he's in the game. I'm seeing what he's seeing. He's in the game. He thinks this is fake. And then the rest of the time, it's not that. I really wish it would have stuck with that 
perspective and that narrative style longer rather than just doing it once and then being like, and we're done with that. Yeah, 100%. Probably also my biggest complaint of the movie is that first kill whips ass. It's mm-hmm. genuinely creepy, genuinely Brutal. weird. Awesome. And and then you never get that again. And that is probably the biggest shortcoming uh, of this flick, for sure. Yeah. So considering that the trickster himself is supposed to be, you know, the, the, the character that's in this brain scan video game, what do you guys think about the design of the character himself? To me, he kind of feels like what our parents thought the bad guy in a video game that was going to pollute our minds might look like. Where he's like, <laughs> oh, he's got a mohawk and a nose ring and fingerless gloves and a velvet suit. Like, does that feel like a real video game character to you guys? It feels a little dated a little bit. I mean, yeah. it feels he feels like somebody that would have came out of more of the sort of hair metal or the poodle rock era mm-hmm. of like, you know, <laughs> late 80s kind of radio rock um, more so than than where the 90s was going at the time, in my opinion. So um, especially because like, you know, right around this time was like, you know, grunge was like pretty pretty prevalent and you know you had like you know punk rock coming back then and this guy feels a little bit 1987 for me i don't know yeah yeah i'd agree with that he also has sort of a cyberpunk thing going as well like just the literally the design is very cyberpunk but um yeah i think i think you're right like he he's um (laughs) he does seem like not something you would see in a video game from the time, but something mm-hmm. that like people would imagine. Like, I guess that's what. Like, if you got a video game character, he'd probably be one of these punks with the hair. <laughs> if I can make another 1994 reference, uh, this is what he would have looked like as a cast member of Airheads if Airheads was a horror. Oh movie. fuck yes, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> To me, if he was going to be in a video game, it would definitely be like one of those super crappy, like third tier fighting games like Capcom was suing people over. Like he would be like an art of fighting or mm-hmm. one of those right. as like a, a fucking unlockable boss character. Just kind of like shitty, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like his suit looks like something the singer from White Snake had on in <laughs> any one of their videos. Yeah, you know what any I mean? other, For like, sure. Straight up. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that might have been intentional because from what I understand, uh, he even based a lot of his performance and the design of the character and stuff on like Keith Richards and all these like class- classic like rock stars and stuff like that, which again, in 1994, I don't think the kids are real hip on the Rolling Stones or anything like that, but mm-hmm. they were going for some kind of like rock star kind of vibe with that guy, but I guess also kind of like twisted and demonic in some ways. And the way he achieves his twisted goals of murder and mayhem are to, you know, draw Furlong into the game and have him commit these murders for him. Now, the motivation for the murders, not exactly clear, but in that way, to me, it feels very much like Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, where it's not Freddy killing kids in their dreams, it's Freddy getting dude to kill for him as he says mm-hmm. in the movie like this feels a lot like elm street 2 to me outcast kid being forced to kill people in these weird dreams that he's having and he's not sure if it's like real or not which movie am i describing right now yeah you know and then they merge together in the end yeah it sounds kind of like yeah. Elm Street 2. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. 
yeah it's it's very much elm street 2 i think but it um uh you know in elm street 2 the people that get killed uh upset what's his name i can't remember the main character's name the main character jesse jesse, jesse. That's right. yes uh they they upset jesse in some way in this basically every murder after the first is to cover up the first murder and the first murder was for thrills <laughs> yeah no. it's the old lady that swallowed the fly all over again yeah. yep yeah so it's i i mean yeah the the there's less of a feel to it though jesse there's a reason for it you know like they are treating him like shit and this uh this rage is coming out of him and it's being like you know pulled out by freddy in this like yeah we're showing a kid who's already full of rage and uh doesn't really have anything to aim it at and this guy just coming along and is like hey randomly kill this person please oh this person knows about it ah that person knows about it like it, it, it's really yeah less focused i guess it also kind of shows you too like okay you're gonna murder someone for kicks uh look at all like the possible ways this mm. could fall apart you mm-hmm. know like all the ways you're gonna it kind of it sort of spirals out of control like something you were just doing just for kicks could you know lead to this or lead to right. that so you know that could turn into you know all sorts of kind of moral grounds here you know like premarital sex or you know doing drugs oh. or oh, you know wow. any of that kind of kind of thing you know what i mean yeah so, like yeah you want to get drunk but then you're gonna drive and hit somebody and kill them and da yeah. da you know you know <laughs> Yeah, Trickster's definitely thing that stands out to a lot of people in this movie. Another thing that stands out to me is not Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> that other girl. <laughs> There's so yeah. many parts towards the end of the movie, especially where like my brain just keeps telling me like this is Clarissa. It's Cl- it's not Clarissa. It's Clarissa. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, Amy yeah. Hargreaves says um, she's been in uh, a couple of movies more recently, like uh, Blue Ruin, directed by the guy who directed Green oh. Room. Green and, Room, yeah. Uh, super dark. Great times. movie. Great yeah. movie. I love oh. Blue Ruin. Yeah, yeah. Blue Ruin's great. Um, so yeah, she she's still kicking around, but yeah, she does look a lot like Clarissa. I didn't think about that till you just said it. Uh, and then yeah, you got the uh, Kyle, who's played by Jamie Marsh, who is surprisingly twenty seven in this film. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. boy, <laughs> how is that possible? Like he does not look like he is fucking twelve or thirteen years older than Eddie Furlong in this. Yeah. I love his insults, man. Uh, frequently using the word dick in a lot of them, but yeah. I like how he uses sausage dick as an insult. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Is is that? I would be like, oh. Thanks, Are we talking bro. a little smoky you know, like, okay. or just yeah. a regular sausage? We're <laughs> talking yeah. kielbasa here. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's we, a, that's what, a compliment. what kind of sausage are we talking here? I mean, did you pay me a compliment or, or what? Yeah. You know, please elaborate yeah, that, here. Point. Okay. <laughs> Wait, like in a bad way or like in a, in a like a cool way? Sausage. Yeah. Like, Kyle <laughs> does come off as the kind of guy who might call you sausage dick, but he's like, "Way to go, bro." like super they're 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 good best friends this is actually one of the weirdest uh not weirdest i mean uh most normal uh male friendship i've seen in a 90s movie because they're not constantly mm. calling each other gay and hitting each other which yeah, is that's uncommon from my perspective yeah. what the 90s was um, yeah, the entire time. Yeah, and they just like love each other and call each other best friends and stuff, and that's great. And then he, at the end, he's like, 
that one girl who's obviously like i don't like anybody here he's like like your outfit like he just seems like this super positive sweet dude that um you know uh michael maybe doesn't treat well and learns his lesson because this basically has the same story as um what's that uh, christmas movie Fuck. It's a wonderful, oh, it's life. A wonderful <laughs> life, but it's instead of what if I killed myself? It's what if I killed somebody, and then it plays yeah. it out, and he's like, "Oh, I shouldn't do that." <laughs> That's true, man. Yeah. And they are buddies forever, buddies as forever. they say like a hundred times mm-hmm. in this movie. I thought the thing whenever like, you know, Kyle shows up dead, and we find that out by finding his like n- bloody necklace. <laughs> amulet yeah, thing in yeah. the freezer is like oh, I, whose is that like i was like i don't remember seeing that on his person at all like what? that was such a like oh, not like, really well like, delivered yeah, thing like to me showed it to exposition really? us for the i have no kill. memory of that he was like careful i've got my thingy here etc yeah. he was always wearing it yeah <laughs> i totally missed that one man i <laughs> <laughs> Or I did too. I mean, Kyle has a lot of flair on yeah. his outfit, so it's a lot tough. of flair. Yeah, it's yeah. tough to pinpoint for sure. But uh, I think that Kyle is um, Kyle is a, a like that. The kill of Kyle is where kind of the question comes in as to whether or not he um, he actually did those things because we do have at the end, like you know the. You know, oh, it was just a video game. But wait, here comes the dog with a foot. Um, yeah. And I, I think that it's possible, just from what you're saying about, like, how the kills are, you know, the first one is, like, super developed and whatnot, and then everything else we don't really see, that I think the movie's trying to tell us that he did do the first kill, and that's why <laughs> the dog has the foot. Like, he actually okay. did that, and then everything else didn't happen. But I don't even understand why to throw that complication in. Like, why yeah. <laughs> does the dog show up with the foot at the end? I know. It seemed like a total have your yeah, cake and eat the, it, too. The stinger is a real head scratcher for me. I, I, I'll admit. It's like, what? Why is it there? It's not particularly creepy, either. It's right. just like, oh, the dog still has the foot. Why? I don't... I thought everything was all good. Like you said, I thought this was our It's a Wonderful Life ending right. here. Jeremy Stewart. Oh, oh my God! I didn't, I didn't oh kill God. the dog. Oh, oh James! I didn't I kill mean, the man in his sleigh. Oh, wow! I'm not. I'm not going to turn up my nose at a dog carrying a severed foot while Tad plays in the background. That is so a, I'll allow it. I mean, yes. Okay, maybe that's that. why they included it because they were like, "Well, it looks rad. We'll just throw yeah. it in and let them figure it out." They were like, "Tad <laughs> Doyle would like this." So he would like it. it. We got a Tad song. Let's just put it in here, you know. I think more movies need a Tad song in them somewhere, honestly. <laughs> this this yeah. did that right. Hell yes. And it really did the soundtrack right as fucking rain. Because the soundtrack in this, both the original score and the Elysis music, fucking are great, yeah. honestly. I love the original. It's kind of like, it's really just one melody that they kind of keep playing over and over with these like soft kind of synth pads that sort of reminded me of Honestly, of like Terminator and Terminator 2. But it's this really eerie, just like kind of two chord melody that they play over and over in the movie that is really creepy. I didn't think about the Terminator 2 connection because to me it was like um, they were trying to do a Twin Peaks thing, but like throwing in some Elm Street keys. But now that you say 
T2, because there are, like, other references to Eddie Furlong stuff. Like, there's so many Aerosmith posters everywhere. Yeah. Because he everywhere. was in an Aerosmith video that they probably were referencing T2 now that I think about it. Musically. Hmm. I mean, yeah. that theme, it does whip ass. It's it, awesome. It really sets the tone. It's cool. And, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, it. I'm surprised it hasn't been sampled more in like Seriously. somebody's lo- lo-fi bedroom pop <laughs> demo or some shit, you know, because it, it's I really good. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What do you guys think about the original, or sorry, unoriginal soundtrack stuff as far as some of the licensed music by bands like fucking Primus and Pitch Shifter and all kinds of, uh, KMFDM, I think, is on here too? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Mud Honey, uh, White Zombie, I mean... Yeah, it it's like I fucking made this mixtape when I was, you know, 13 years old. Yeah, yeah like right? straight up. Like I I love it. I love this soundtrack. My wife actually owns the soundtrack, so it's like wow. Yeah, I I I think it's great. Uh, one of the more sort sort of ass beater songs on this is that the track by Old. It's a band called Old, which actually plays during that uh that first kill scene. You know, like oh. it's like it gets that awesome. Cool. It's like yeah, you know, and it has those like crazy vocals. Like that song is awesome, yeah. and I feel like way ahead of its time in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and uh, that's the thing. If you're not uh, aware of like old, they fucking whip ass. It was the the grind like kind of uh, industrial band of James Plotkin, who's like a big producer now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also in like Phantom Smasher and like Regurgitation and stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they were like an old uh, earache band. They're they're fucking sick awesome man yeah that yeah, that man. song is awesome like that whole time i was uh i didn't even think to look at who who that was because that's that scene comes together so perfectly like and has that giallo feel as we said like it really it sets up so much for the movie that you want to follow like please more of this yeah but instead you get a ton of him you know worrying and guzzling milk <laughs> oh man fucking big Ooh. milk we cannot big get dairy. away from big milk greg even on, a, not even even on, on another, another podcast yeah. yeah like we just can't get away from big milk dude oh my god man but yeah i love the like industrial soundtrack stuff on this and, and again with that soundtrack in that first kill it's like very much like 90s american giallo whereas back Back in the old country, like Noni used to make movies, <laughs> we'd have we'd have like a goblin score that's super crazy and intense. Or you know, Argento put like fucking Iron Maiden and Motorhead, yeah, and Motorhead stuff in a bunch yeah. of those movies. You know, in, in these kill scenes or like action scenes in the movies. And um, to me, that's just very stylistically. It really stands out to me. You know what I mean? Mm. And this movie having like a kid with a bowl cut in a video game with industrial fucking grunge music doing a murder while wearing black gloves. I'm like, fuck yeah, American Giallo, dude, bring it on. But then the rest of it's kind of like, uh, after that. But yeah, the soundtrack in this absolutely kicks ass. And it kind of reminds me of some of the other soundtracks from that era, like the fucking Mortal Kombat soundtrack Mm -hmm. was so awesome. Test your might. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I I think this is, uh, this is nailing a lot of what you want from like again it's like just distilled 90s it's like you get this perfect little distillation of exactly what that period felt like and the soundtrack mm-hmm. just is that like that is what was playing 
1994 in most of our heads, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it it is literally like every band that was like either on the cusp of stardom or, you know, like somebody that, you know, uh, the cool kid at school like gave you a dubbed tape of. Uh-huh. I was like, "Hey man, you ever hear Mud Honey? Check this <laughs> shit out." You know, like, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like it, yeah. It it really is a time capsule of 1994, straight up. Yeah. Like for sure. Yeah, and if you were a kid in 1994 watching this in a theater, knowing that your parents have never heard of any of these bands and they were like all your favorite bands, it was probably pretty freaking cool. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now in terms of like questionably cool maybe maybe <laughs> not let's talk about some of those special effects especially where the trickster is involved and him like materializing out of thin air and stuff like that now this is very very obviously like early age of cgi mm-hmm. and uh there is no point in this where you're gonna say the special effects look lifelike or convincing uh but maybe that's intentional what do you think about that, Steve? I, I think that um, absolutely... I, I don't know if there was intention there or not, but what it ends up looking like is a comp or a, uh, a video game from the time. Uh, yeah. And yeah. that kind of is perfect. Like, if it has to do with the limitations of the time, good the, the limitations of the time were there, uh, and it didn't end up being some rubbery mess. Like, it instead looks like the best that a video game could do at the time, which would have been really cool if you were playing it on a Super Nintendo if you, and you saw this happen, you'd be like, that was awesome. Uh, so I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, whenever I watch those scenes, especially like whenever, I think the first time that we see the trickster, like, you know, transform out of the screen and like, there's sort of like his head and then this blob of like, just sort of goo that forms his body. My first reaction was like, man, that looks like fucking shitty Sega CD graphics. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, but it is in a video game. So yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, seeing this, because I, again, I did not see this in the theater. I definitely rented it when it came out on VHS. And I know as a kid, I was like, whoa, like that is cool. And I honestly think if this was made maybe like, four to five years later it it would have got saturated with uh cgi Mm kind of shit that definitely wouldn't hold up and yeah you're looking at some of the effects through a 2021 lens and you're like yeah it looks kind of hokey but yeah hearkening back to what you guys are saying it it totally fits in with the vibe of 90s video games so it to me, I think it totally complements the picture. I, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think it works, and it's used minimally enough. Like, it's only in a few spots. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, if this was made in like '97 or something, it would have been all over uh-huh. the movie, and it would just yeah. taken you out of the entire thing. You know. I'll tell you what, though. Whenever the trickster comes to life and he's having Eddie Furlong do all these kills and stuff like that, I sure am glad his occasionally relevant but usually non-existent limp from his car crash comes into play (laughs) right that matters a lot yeah uh eddie furlong again you know we talked we 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 don't want to trash on the guy not a great limper not a great limper (laughs) (laughs) it it honestly is like really hard to sit here and like talk shit about him because i do think that he is 
super wooden and very flat yeah. in this movie. Like I really don't think there's anything really to his character or his performance at all, but God, man, it's it's really hard to like rag on him knowing the stuff that we were talking about. And like one of the things I wanted to talk about about his character and his performance and stuff in this and the weird age gaps and stuff we're talking about that is now completely not funny at all to talk about considering the stuff that you were telling us early, Steve, is I was like, man, how weird is it that there's that scene in this movie where like him and that chick are are hooking up and she's like 20, what, 20, 24, five, 24. Mm-hmm. And he's like 15. Yeah. And the director's like, Hey, go straddle that youth and kiss on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I was yeah, thinking to myself strange. like, man, how weird that must be. But then you're like, actually for Eddie, it probably wasn't that weird. And that just makes it really sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it does. Yeah. I, I think it, it's fair to say he's not a good actor in this. Like, I mean, his performance is bad in it. Like knowing everything we know about it, it's like, well, I get it, but it's not yeah. good. Um, I, th- I, I don't think- know. I'll, I'll, I'll counter that. I mean, okay. like he, he, yeah, look, I, I think it's like her, you know, maybe not purposely, but he has this like aloof sort of malaise about him the entire movie. True. Yeah. And I, and I guess like you'd have to be in that kind of state to put on a video game where you'd want to murder a person, you know what yeah. I mean? So I don't know, maybe, you know, he is obviously struggling with, you know, uh, a lot of pain from, you know, losing his mother and things like that. And he's not quite with it. And he's using this outlet of video games and rock music and things like that to sort of, you know, feel alive, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I think his sort of wooden kind of sleepy performance, I'll say, uh, sort of benefits the film. I, I don't know. I, I think um, it strangely works for me. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Same here. Um, I mean, I've never really had a a problem with him as an actor. I know, like we've said, I mean, a lot of people have just consistently shit on him post Terminator 2. But like, I think it works here. I think his acting works in Pet Cemetery 2 in American History X. Yeah. Pecker. I mean, yeah, yeah, I I would consider myself a fan of his, uh, you know, even (laughs) even though, you know, that's that's not the good grace that he's gotten from everyone else. I would say that you're right about uh, T2. I've always wondered why people give him so much shit about that. Like, he does just fine in T2, but definitely. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah he's great, man. Yeah. As he got older, he got better. Like, yeah, he's, he's better in things like Pecker and Detroit Rock City and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, As he got more experience. Like, this is, I, I think, only like his third role or fourth role at this point. And again... He was just a kid at a boys and girls club that got picked out to come audition for T2. Like he, he didn't have these huge aspirations to be an actor. And now he's in this situation where, yeah, it's, it's honestly, yeah, he does. He does a much better job than I would, uh, than I would expect him to do in this situation. But yeah, you're right. Maybe the woodenness does have a, a reason. Like there's a meaning behind it, or at the very least, uh, knowing he would perform that way, it it makes them adjust the story a little bit to make it all work that way. But it it I works mean, fine. 
would you want like a spunky like Jonathan oh, God, Taylor no. Thomas no. performance no. in this? No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Like that was like the ilk of the time. Yeah. Like that's what you could have gotten in this movie sure. is like somebody like that. A writer strong uh, maybe come in. Yeah, like writer yeah. strong or like a let's say like a like a, you know, like a license to drive Corey Haim kind of you know kid. Yeah, that would have been rough. I mean, Corey Haim is great in sure. License to Drive because it it that's the character, you right. know. But but this, you know, he's angsty uh, teen, you know, kind of deal. So I I don't know. I I, yeah. I think it strangely works. Like I wouldn't want to see like smartass Jonathan Taylor Thomas in, in this. You know, <laughs> that would be like, so I, weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Jonathan, I, I wouldn't want Thomas. that someone to be like alive on screen for this because I yeah. don't think it would work. You know. I don't know what he has to be upset about, though, because he got a fucking sick Vespa. <laughs> I never had no shit like that. Yeah, can we please talk about his Let's fucking awesome Vespa? I'm yeah. so jealous, and I, I've been jealous since I saw this movie as a kid. Like, why do kids in movies always have great transportation? Like, I never had this shit. I had a fucking skateboard. That's all yeah. I had. Like, God, and a bike. I, mean, I had a mm-hmm. Huffy. You know, like, come yeah. on. Yeah, it was always, yeah, you, you just have your your bike and it's like there's no way i can take this bike where i want to go and then you watch a movie and the kid's like oh this is my miniature car i drive around town <laughs> like, what the fuck? dude i learned how to ride a bike when i was fucking 17 i had two feet and that's it oh <laughs> man homeschool man it don't work that shit don't work uh, yeah i was pissed off at that vespa man i was mad i was like man I'm going to get me one of these in two years. Just you wait. Yeah. Nope. Never got one. I'd like to see him outrun Budnick on his fucking dirt bike in T2, though, man. Yeah. Budnick's dirt bike. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ultimate mode of transportation if you're a 90s kid. Budnick's dirt bike. Yeah. Also, I, I know he's not Budnick in that movie, but he is. It's true. I always wanted that dirt bike, and I had a little Honda 50, which is like a little tiny bike, um, and I was a little too big for it. But I still rode that some bitch <laughs> everywhere. Hell yeah! So uh, we gotta can't get away without talking Frank Langella because he's he's a Dracula, he's a Skeletor, he's that's uh, true, quite literally. Yeah, yeah, he's all up in this movie, giving an extremely solid performance. Yeah, um, and really just being Frank Langella. Like when you look at his performance in in relation to everyone else like it makes sense that his scenes are separated like he he's hardly in scenes with most of everyone else because he's he's giving he's giving a performance like he's going at brain scan uh uh, t Ryder smith as you said is the he's the dude who's like going hardest in this but langella's going hard langella is the scariest fucking part of this movie yeah honestly like he <laughs> scares the fucking shit out of me yes more so than trickster ever could you know what i mean <laughs> like like stoic like great cop i'm like fuck yeah. no dude i don't want this guy on my tail dude no i'm way. definitely going to jail yeah like fuck <laughs> dude no it's way a- <laughs> in his role as i call him Detective Lady Shades, because he's rocking some fucking stunning Lady Shades <laughs> the whole movie. When he's ta- like when like when we see him get information and then talk to uh, Michael uh, Eddie Furlong, 
and like you can tell that like he's holding back information like he does this thing so well where he's 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 a cop like ben said he's a, he's being a fucking cop he's yeah. so <laughs> cop in this that like yeah. you're just like i don't even i don't trust you i know you're an actor and i don't trust you right now <laughs> yeah it's scary yeah, yeah like, he's good. he knows way more than you think he does kind exactly. of deal and you're like yeah. fuck this dude's scary <laughs> yeah so i think we've chin wagged about enough about this flick i think there's good things about it i think there's bad things about it i think there's honestly some potential that wasn't really quite lived up to sure. like i feel like there was there was a rewrite or two that needed to happen on this before they started filming um but there are some redeeming elements about it. But this is one of those ones, man, where if you go on like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, there's a ton of people that are like, this is one of the most underrated flicks of the 90s. It's like, it's a nine, it's a 10. There's a lot of people that really, really, really love this movie. Uh, but there's also a lot of people that are just like, yeah, it sucks. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious to find out where you guys fall on that scale in terms of like how you rate this flick on on the old scale of one to a ten. Let's slap a number on this thing. Let's let our guests go first here. Greg, why don't you tell us how you feel about this flick? You know, I gotta say I'm part of the the former uh, uh, demographic. I love this movie. I'm actually kind of shocked that if you look under the critical reception. Uh, section of the Wikipedia for Brain Scan. It's got a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Seriously, that's what? insane. Like, woof. It it's fun. I yeah. I definitely agree. It's it's underrated. Um, you know, I like I said, I think uh, nobody really brings it down uh, acting wise. Uh, the story is great. The uh, effects are uh, 90s tastic, as I put in my notes here. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of the CG and everything. And even when we do get practical effects, they kind of whip ass. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I dig this one. I'm kind of kicking myself in the ass that, uh, you know, I saw bits and pieces of it as a kid, but didn't watch it in full until, you know, the age of 34. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I think this will definitely be something that I revisit often. So I'm going eight out of ten. Awesome. Ooh. The Ocho. What about you, Ben? Yeah, um, I, I like this one. I, I, I'll fully admit, though, you know, a lot of the stuff we talked about, it doesn't really realize its full potential because that first kill scene is so cool and so creepy. And I really wish that we got a little bit more of that. You know, watching it now uh, as an, a, you know, a 37-year-old man here, um... You know, you, you kind of feel like they, they kind of whiffed on that. You know, we could have mm. got like one or two more scenes like that. Maybe one that like didn't go right, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think would have made this really interesting. Um, my sort of like what I like about this is, again, a lot of stuff we talked about. It's a time capsule for me. It it just has that feel of a 1994 teen horror film. Mm-hmm. And it totally spoke to me at that point in time in my life because I was into video games. I was into that kind of music. Um, I wished my room looked like that. I wish I had a <laughs> fucking Vespa. Yeah. I, I wish there was like a hot girl that lived next to me that I could spy on. And she <laughs> takes pictures of me. I don't know. I like what? Like that's a whole thing we didn't even get into. Yeah, but, yeah that's uh, true. <laughs> 
Yeah, that just like loves me because I live next door to her. I don't I know. Guess. Um, sure. Yeah, I wish I had that haircut. You know, everything mm-hmm. um, that Eddie Furlong kind of represented in that. Um, but it does kind of fall short in little areas. I do think Trickster is a really interesting character. I think it would have been really neat to explore that more. Maybe if this was successful, if there was a sequel, maybe they could have amped up uh, a lot of this kind of stuff and hopefully not cast uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas or the kid <laughs> from like from like Blank Check or something to be in it. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go like 7 out of 10 on this one. I, I, I do like it. I, I end up watching it probably usually around Halloween when I'm doing like my like, eh, let's watch a bunch of horror movies, you know, in my house. Um, we usually throw this one on. I love the soundtrack. Uh, soundtrack's amazing. Uh, like I said, uh, we own it here in, in my house. So, um, it's definitely one of those ones we kind of put on sometimes when we're just like hanging out in the backyard, drinking some, as Ben would say, cold beers. Um, <laughs> Kobe so, uh, yeah, I, a seven out of 10, uh, it, it could have been a, like a nine or a 10 if we got a little bit more of that flavor mm-hmm. of that first kill scene. But, uh, again, this is more of a nostalgic trip for me. This is more of like, wow, I, I remember 1994, man. I, I remember <laughs> where I was then. And this just speaks to me in, in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, seven out of 10 for me. Awesome. I, I totally get that, man. And I feel like if I would have seen this in my days as a Ute, I would probably have, like, you know, more of a nostalgia boner for it than I do. Because, like, just watching it for the first time the other night for this show... I did get, you know, the good, warm and fuzzy nostalgias for that era. Like you said, the soundtrack, wanted to have that room of my own and be independent from my parents and have a Vespa and a bowl cut and another friend with flannel shirts and all that kind of stuff. Like it totally did give me that vibe where, like you said, it really does sum up kind of like what you wanted when you were, you know, 13 or so, something like that. Like that, that kid's kind of living the dream if you're watching this back then. Uh, but I think, you know, also, too, watching it as a fucking, you know, as the age of somebody that could have been one of the parents in this fucking movie, <laughs> that's getting weirder and weirder. Dude, we started rewatching My So-Called Life the other day. Uh, dude, and we, like, we did, too. It's so yeah. weird. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's God, awesome. Sorry. It's a great fucking series. But, like, now you watch it and you're like, we're not the parents' age, are we? Yeah, we're the parents' age. Well, yeah. Actually, you're older. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like, I looked it up and I was like, damn it, the mom is like 35. I'm older than shit. But, you know, it's like I still get the nostalgia thing just from the era that it's in, but I I just kind of feel like there's some unused potential here. It's like whether it would have gone darker or whether it would have gone, you know, lighter and more video gamey or something more stylized in some way. I feel like would have improved it. I feel like it's kind of just sort of in a middle ground where it's kind of neutral, you know, in terms of like not wanting to go too terribly fantasy, but not wanting to make the whole movie like that first kill, which would have been fucking awesome in my opinion. And again, the characters really kind of lack a lot of, a lot of depth and stuff like that. Good elements. Not a lot that I'm like anxious to revisit. I'm I'm going to go lower than you guys. I'm going to say that this one for me is like, uh, four and a half. Oh, it sounds cold. It sounds cold when I say it out loud. Uh, boy, I'm I'm uh I'm glad Ben and Greg are here. Cold as ice. <laughs> to uh, 
make my own review not sound uh, insane. I'm I cold think as this ice. is great. I enjoyed it a whole lot and regret that I didn't see it as a teenager. Wish I had seen it when this was my thing, when I would have really connected with it. Uh, yeah. But I, I think it, I think it's really good. I think it's solid. I think that, uh, you know, again, we've we've praised that uh, awesome first kill. But I think that the way the story plays out after that, uh, yeah, it shifts the tone, but it also is still fun and interesting. And you kind of, you're on his side a little bit, trying to be like, oh, I hope he gets away. But then at the same time, you're like, wait, why do I hope that? He's, he just killed that guy for no reason. <laughs> he killed somebody. <laughs> yeah. So I I think this is great. I, I, I really enjoyed it, and I will definitely rewatch it. Uh, I, uh, Greg said eight. I just, I'm thinking I'm thinking six six and a half maybe seven around there. Sounds fair. Yeah, nice. yeah that's fair. Yeah, nice. I, I think that sounds fair. And I'm so glad Ben and Greg from Neon Brain X, you guys were here to review this movie picture with us. And if people want to hear more of you two cool cats, they can check out your podcast. It's available everywhere that podcasts are heard. Right. That is correct. Uh, basically, wherever you're listening to Dead and Lovely right now. Uh, hit that search function and find ours. Uh, I actually didn't mention this up front, but I did go through the list of your episodes, and it looks like we've covered 31 of the same film. Wow. So, Whoa. So, awesome. yeah, obviously, if you like this show, hopefully you'll like opinion. ours too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you guys can also be found on Instagram and all the other social media stuff, so go ahead and, go ahead and pump that stuff up for us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Neon Brainiacs. Hit it up. There you go. Easy enough to locate. You guys can also find us on the old social medias, can't they, It's true. At Dead Lovely Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. Head on over there. Join that group. Or you could also find us on Patreon.com forward slash Dead and Lovely, where you could hand us dollar papers and we'll give you things in return. Like most recently... Uh, an episode uh, exclusive for Patreon people about yeah. WandaVision. What? That's right. You want to go hear you can about have that? that. Mhm, that's right. You don't have to give us stacks and stacks. You can give us a dollar a or dollar three get you there. Or, or five, whatever works for you. And if you donate 5 bucks, you can throw in a movie of your choosing into the old smoke and bowl we draw out of once a month to pick a movie that very well could be yours for a future installment of Drang and Longley. Isn't that right, Steve? Yep. Uh, uh, you got a bit of a doop boop. I, I lost my exactly. shit there. Just completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you, that you know what? Let's just, let's give another swing at it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, so head on over there. To get your movie covered here on the old Dead and Lovely. Uh, also, join us on the Friday Night Screaming Chat. Uh, we watch whatever movie I can find on YouTube and we chat about it on discord and it's a fun time and come join us and I love you. Bye. That's good. That's (laughs) solid. That's what I call promotion right there. Very, very well done. Yeah, I'll just double down. I'm going to say you you should give these guys, uh, give these guys your money because these guys are hilarious and we're so glad that you guys opened up your open podcast relationship to bring <laughs> us in on this. We had you on our show. Yeah. We, you, now we've been on your show, and I'm hoping this this continues. I'm hoping this isn't a one-night stand kind of thing because uh, I love talking <laughs> to you guys about movies. Uh, we yes. def, we definitely want to have you back on Neon Brainiacs. We'd love um, it. Hell yeah. Yeah, check out the Pieces episode we did with them. It's hilarious, and... Uh, 
Yeah, I, I can't thank you guys enough for having us on. This is this has been a total pleasure, man. This is great. Yes, thank you so much. You know, as a the special treat, Neon Brainiac's been. I've been calling you by your own name rather than Ben's name this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's great. Yeah, thank you guys so much for being here. It was a blast, and I'm sure that we will do it again and keep this fucking podcast four-way uh, fuck swap situation <laughs> just going and a-going. So we'll make this happen again for sure. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Dead and Lovely. Next week, we'll be talking about... Uh, um, oh, Reanimator. That's right. Reanimator. Yeah, that's Ooh, what we're doing. Reanimator. Nice. That makes 32. Sick. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Maybe I'll listen to your all's episode to help me prepare for my viewing experience. Because it's been actually quite a while since I watched Reanimator. And my wife, she'd never seen the Reanimator. So I'm excited uh, to share what? this with my life partner. That's awesome. Get to finally get Kate on that. What if she hates it? Oh, no. Don't hate it, Kate. What if she's just like, oh, these boobs in here are subpar. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. We'll find out on next week's installment. So be sure to tune in then. Here is Jab about Reanimator. Just jabber and jabber away. In the meantime, go out there and get your COVID vaccine. If you can, I'm getting mine on Thursday. It's no joke. Get the poke. You heard it first on Dead and Lovely. Cha-cha-cha. That's the jingle that we made yeah it's i great. hope it's good it's good right <laughs> yeah bro first dose 420 yeah Ooh, oh high. wait it hasn't happened yet you'll get high <laughs> <No>. <laughs> good stuff man so yeah you guys be careful and tune in next week we'll catch you guys later i've been uncle ben i've been hollywood thief i'm greg and i'm ben deedles of the neon brainiacs yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we've had a good time catch you guys later bye, bye. see you guys Peace. So considering we've got a full house of fellow dudes right here, I feel like this is the right time to bring this up because something has been on my mind this week and I feel like I need to bring it up to other people and see if they experience this problem because I'll tell you guys what. I've had a set of balls for about 37 years now and I still can't figure out how the damn things work. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I know that might sound crazy, but just hear me out. Because, you know, there's times that we have in our in our alone times, in our intimate times, where maybe ourselves or perhaps a friend finds a way to handle these things that's fun and enjoyable. And it's like, oh, oh, this is working. This is cool. <laughs> and then like the very next day, you're like, time to cross my legs the other way. Oh my God. <laughs> or you just do a slight little adjust in the underoos and it's like, oh, like the fucking gut pain. Of getting hit in the balls. What's with these things? Have you ever uh, suffered from testicular torsion? I don't think. That's when your uh, testicles get wrapped around each other. Ooh, oh, no. Then definitely it hurts. No. <laughs> hurts yeah, a lot. I, sometimes, I mean, you could just sit down wrong. You just sit mm -hmm. down wrong. Sit right on a nut, dude. And yes. it's like, yep. that, that, there goes your day. You know, you're That's just what like, I'm damn it. <laughs> And you get mad at him, or you're like, we, were, we had such a good thing going last night, and now you've betrayed me. What's with these things? Man, one of the worst, I'll tell you what. 
you talking about just like sitting down the wrong way. One of the worst is when you do that exercise where you're laying down on your back and you do like the leg raise for like mm-hmm. your lower abs, you know? Just ball destroyers, man. Those yeah. are yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so many because uh, I'm a thick thigh boy and um, <laughs> any exercise that involves my, my testicles and thighs having to work in cooperation, <laughs> no Not go. Not happening. Not happening, man. I was going to recommend reading the manual, but I think this is a production error. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Intelligent design, my ass and balls. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real love hate relationship. You know, like some days your balls love you, other days, yeah, your balls just fucking hate you, man. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Somebody needs to explain these things to me. We need an an owner's guide whenever we're born, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least like a like a course, like an online thing, something we could sign up for, yeah. you know? You know? Your balls cool. and you. <laughs> a book by Ikea. God. We need Ikea. You know, it'll just say balls with like an umlaut above the A, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd be so frustrated with those instructions, though. <laughs> I don't know where H5 it. is. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a horror club at my school, but I never had one, so. No. That's awesome. Oh man, a horror club would have been so cool. I but know. uh we kind of have one now, guys. We kind of have one. Oh, we're right. doing it right now. Yeah. What? This is well, horror club. Here yeah, we are. We're doing it. 